What's happening, everyone? Before we get into today's episode, uh, I definitely want to take a second to announce a new sponsor we have. But before I even do that, I got a rhetorical question for you. It's actually just a real question. Does your dingus look like it's got Bob Ross in a rear naked choke? Or is it, you know, is it looking like it's sleeping in a nest of daddy long leg spiders? Well, then I got the answer for you. And uh, this is this is this leads into our uh, into our new sponsor here, uh, Manscaped.com. Now, you know these people uh, have developed uh, a, a product called the uh, Lawnmower 3.0, which is a very uh, safe trimmer for more sensitive areas. If you know what I'm saying. Basically, you know, have you ever been uh, you ever tried to shave your balls and you get some blood on it from, from from a fucking nasty razor? You know what I mean? Like a like a using a stupid beard trimmer on there and it, and uh, and uh, you know you know you get a little bit of ball blood on there. And you want to pass out? Or you want to freak out? You don't got to worry about that with the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped.com. Because it's 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 using science and uh, special blades to uh, protect the more sensitive areas, and you know you know that's especially important now because it's summer, and uh, you know it's like a swamp down there, so you got to fucking drain the swamp, so to speak, right? Uh, by uh, getting rid of all the uh, the swamp like uh, the the hair that holds like the swamp like moisture in. So uh, check them out at manscaped.com, which is M A N S C A P E D. They got a whole line of products, right? That you know. Not just the late, not just the razor. Um, you can buy the razor. You can buy replacement uh, replacement blades for it, and they use like these ceramic blades, so it's not as fucking gnarly um, as like you know beard trimmers and whatever. Um, they also have a whole line of like different kind of uh, products. Uh, uh, you know, like the uh, like they got a body wash called Crop Cleanser. Uh, they got a. Uh, 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 a product called the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant. And so uh, do with that as you will. But you know how it is in the summer, man. Uh, you want to protect yourself from chafing, especially if you're, do, uh, you're doing a lot of activity, walking around and whatnot. Um, they got colognes. They got like foot deodorant. Uh, and, uh, you know, what you really should check out is they got this thing called the Perfect Package 3.0, which uh, comes with a, the razor, the lawnmower 3.0. Uh, it comes with uh, some of the uh, this thing called uh, the, it comes with the ball deodorant and this ball toner shit, uh, a bag, some boxers, all kinds of shit. It's only ninety nine bucks, but on top of that, it's on sale for ninety nine bucks, right? Um, and on top of that. If you use the code Big Truth at checkout, you get an additional twenty percent off that and free shipping. So um, whether it's just uh, whatever you buy there, so on your whole the whole enchilada, no pun intended, you get twenty percent off whatever you order from Manscaped.com. Want to thank them for reaching out and uh, becoming a, a sponsor on the podcast here. Uh, good stuff. I use it. Stand behind it. Again, check them out. Manscaped.com. Use the code Big Truth at checkout. You get twenty percent off your order, whatever it is, and uh, free shipping. Um, and, uh, while we're at it, let's, uh, give shout out to all our other sponsors. If you, if you're not familiar with Chop Cult, get with the program, man. Uh, Chop Cult is one of the biggest and uh, best news resources out there for, for, uh, modern bike riders and chopper builders and, and what have you. Uh, check them out. They got a website, chopcult.com, uh, that's filled with weekly features, blogs, classifieds, and, uh, uh a huge, uh, motorcycle related form. So if you want to look for tech advice or you want to look for parts, you know, whatever it is, say you're into old Hondas, they got 
got a section for Japanese bikes. They got a section for British bikes. They got a section for new Harleys, for old American bikes, all that shit. So check them out, chopcult.com. Um, and it's free to join, so it doesn't cost you nothing. They don't ask for credit cards, any of that stuff. There's no foolishness there. Uh, you can also check them out on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, whatnot, simply at ChopCult. Um, you might also want to check out Amerta, amertamia.com, and uh, on Facebook and Instagram, at, simply at amertamia, which is O-M-E-R-T-A-M-I-A. I know i got a Boston accent, and that's why I spell this shit out for you, so you can find them. You can also look at the show notes and uh, look at my website, and I have links to all these guys that, uh, that help support us. Uh, amertamia is a streetwear brand uh, dedicated to the code of silence and fucking old man, fucking, uh, not old man, but old school, like, ethical values and whatnot code of the streets type shit uh they've been around forever um well they haven't been around the company hasn't been around forever but the two dudes that run it have uh, paid their dues on the streets and in the world and uh it's a legit streetwear company it's not a fly-by-night operation uh they have a whole line of uh, clothing t-shirts hats fucking socks jackets, hoodies, whatever you want. A lot of it is made on American-made apparel. Um, they also have things like art prints and stickers and patches and, uh, um, and even pomades and stuff for those of you that like to slick your hair back. Uh, these guys represent fucking to the, to the fullest, 100%. Uh, check them out at amertamia.com. And uh, if you use the code, same code, big truth, B-I-G-T-R-U-T-H, you get 20% off your order from them as well. So uh, check them out. Uh, also, you want to check out Pitchfork. Uh, Pitchfork is a clothing company and a record label out of New York. My homie uh, 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 runs that, been running it for a long time. Um, Warren, uh, you, you can check them out at uh, pitchforkny.com or on Instagram at pitchfork.pitchforkny. Um, they do... Uh, They've been making all kinds of like hardcore and punk related and metal like type clothing. Um, and then also they have a record label where they do a lot of split seven inches that are on collectible vinyl, collectible colors. Um, you know, like, and they always have an East Coast band on one side and a West Coast band on the other. So uh, support these people because they are supporting the worlds of that, that we're into. Um, also check out Chop Ahead, uh, which is my motorcycle shop. Uh, we have a website, chopahead.com, but we got a brick and mortar store in shop that's as, that's more important uh so if you're anywhere in new england come on by uh, we're at uh, 13 county road in freetown massachusetts uh we're open 10 to 6 pretty much every day it's 11 to 6 on saturdays uh full service motorcycle shop we do uh motor work fucking repair work service work um you know you want to do some speed stuff to your motor you want to rebuild your motor whatever you want to do we do it full uh, fabrication uh you want an oil change or you want a full custom motorcycle built we and everything in between we, we handle that. We also have uh, some merchandise and, uh, and uh, accessories and apparel online or, or in the store. Uh, we carry all kinds of stuff, man. Uh, any part you need, we have it or we can get it, uh, whether you see it on our website or not. Like we're not a full-time website, uh, you know, and we're not a full-time on-web like distributor. But if you, there's something you see you don't want, I can get it. I can probably even have it drop shipped from one of my distributors to you so you can have it in a day or two. Um, but uh, yeah, give us a call, 508. 995-6764 if there's something you need or uh, reach out at chopahead.com or uh, you can email uh, info or actually just email me directly truth at chopahead.com and uh, finally uh, check out uh, the big truth podcast.com um, and uh, that'll give you uh, 
all kinds of uh, we we're working on the website. It's it's been up. Uh, we got some more features coming soon. A little store. We got a we got a the the news uh, blog feature up, and uh, you know we got all the episodes up. So uh, you know uh, you know definitely. Uh, I don't know where you're listening to this, but if uh, you know you can check out BigTruthPodcast.com. We got a link to every episode, uh, and we also uh, have all kinds of information up there. So uh, we definitely appreciate you listening, and or I definitely appreciate listening. Uh, and if you haven't yet, if you can leave a review, uh, make sure you subscribe. And uh, you know, I, you know, we we're up on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple or Android or uh, you know Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Um, just uh, leave a review wherever you listen to this. That'll that'll help and uh, help spread the word and uh, tell all your friends and uh, whatnot to listen. But uh, all right, without further ado, I am going to get today's episode started. Yes, yes. Once again, we have liftoff. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Big Truth Podcast. And uh, uh, last week we had a little bit of hiatus. There was so much going on with the tattoo shop reopening and we had a big event at the shop ahead booth, uh, shop ahead uh, um at the shop and uh the first bike night of the season that was crazy we had dudes all the way from albany coming over um and uh whatnot so just forgive that last week there's not going to be a lot of weeks where we miss one um but we're going to more than wait uh more than make up for it right now because i got a very special guest uh with me right now it's my boy jesse uh we go back to the old uh Babyhead and even the Rocket days, I think, in Providence and in in the old hardcore scene back then for decades. Uh, you might know him from a band called Kill Switch Engage. You might know him from Seamless. Uh, there's countless bands and things he's done. You might know him from Corinne. Who knows? Uh, I don't know who's listening out there, but uh, I just want to uh, give a big welcome to my boy Jesse. What's happening, man? Yeah, man. Back in the day, I love it. <laughs> back when shit was like real and exciting and raw man i miss those days i'm not gonna lie I, I love my life i still have days when i'm like damn it was just so raw back then oh yeah i miss it you know you know what i miss it, it, it was raw um but you you also you never knew what to expect like when you went to a show there was always an element of like the unknown sometimes danger sometimes like mad fun shit like but there was always gonna you know there was something gonna like be popping off or something some fucking craziness yeah. <laughs> or, or sometimes it was a combination of both it was dangerous but it was still fun <laughs> yeah exactly dude um but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm I'm actually doing this podcast from home. It's the first one I've done from home. I'm usually doing them from the tattoo shop or over at Chopperhead. It's a it's very bizarre. I'm looking out the window, just looking at the woods and shit. So, it's a this is actually pretty nice. But dude, so um, I know we're on like a coming out of a three month hiatus. I, I know is it New York still fairly on lockdown or is are things starting to open? I know like no venues or anything are open, but. Um, yeah, yeah. See, well, fortunately, where I live up in up in the woods here in Woodstock. Um, things never got, I mean, they were crazy, but they were, the, the feeling and the anxiety in the air was not as bad as it would have been if I had still lived in the city, thankfully, because New York city was bad. Like I have friends there that they were saying it was bad. They had like patrols and like all kinds of stuff. So up here, <clears throat> it's a real nice community. 
and people were always mad respectful about it, you know, like keeping the distance and all that. And, uh, yeah, we had like op- a lot. And then another thing too, is there's a lot of places with outdoor seating up here. So a lot of the bars and restaurants with outdoor seating were the first ones to start opening up before anybody else was. So like one of my favorite bars to go to up here, uh, the first day they were open, me and my girl went immediately and like they were bumping reggae music and serving cocktails. And was, yeah. It was so nice yeah. to get out and just be around people and hear laughter and like hear music being pumped through a system. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, the vibes never go weird here, but th- th- things are definitely starting to pop off over here again. Yeah, man. So that's good. I, what I, I, uh, I recently went back to, uh, my first, uh, we went to a bar, uh, outside of Boston, uh, like a week or so ago. And it was, isn't it very bizarre to go back into like a social situation with other people? Like it's, it's very, it's like, you feel weird. It's like, Oh wait, am I in the time warp? Like, this is like, it's weird how, yeah. how big three months can have on your life. Like, you know, like in, and, um, you know, just changing the way you think about things, even if you're trying to avoid all that, like it still kind of sets in. And then it was so weird just being out somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of like sensory overload. You got to get used to it. But like another thing I realized for me, like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a hermit when I get off tour, the last thing in the world I want to do is hang out with people. I like to hide out. So for a hermit like me, realizing that, yo, I need people. I, I missed it so much. And like the first time I went to that bar, literally just hearing a group of people across the way laughing was like medicine for my soul. I was like, Oh man, people like happiness, laughter, like that background noise that you get in a restaurant, you know, the, the clanging of thick dish, like all that shit. Yeah. I love that. I didn't realize how much I really loved it until it was gone. Sure. And I think that if, if nothing else, perspective is everything when it comes to this shit. And like, yeah, three months doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're so used to like a particular style of life and it's taken away from you, I can only imagine that something like, you know, not quite as extreme, but going to prison and then coming back out and having that freedom again, it's just, it kind of changes you. It changes you. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. And it's like, and uh, we're in similar situations where we both lived in the city a lot of our lives, but we moved in into more uh, woodsy uh, communities and uh, the same here, man. Like not much changed in in my town. Just more people wearing masks and stuff like that. But like, yeah. uh, besides certain things being closed for a little while, like you know, or just doing like restaurants, just doing takeout or any of that stuff. But um, but yeah, it, it definitely. I I was very much appreciating that I was where I was and that I wasn't in the city anymore when this shit was popping off for sure. And that's yeah, you know, that's the, the bottom line with all this shit too. Is like you. I think if nothing else, it's going to help people appreciate the things that they've taken for granted. I know for me, I was burnt out. I was touring so much with Killswitch to the point where I remember coming home a couple tours ago and looking at my girl and like, yo, I'm, I'm done. I'm so tired. I just want to like, I want to sit in my backyard and watch the seasons change. I want to slow the fuck down because I just felt burnt out. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, a couple of weeks into the quarantine, I'm like, I'm eating my words. I'm like, shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing I wanted, I got. And then I, I, I'm happy with that too. But I adjusted my mindset. I adjusted everything. It's just, I just think the bottom line is people are going to learn to appreciate those things that they didn't have, like going out to eat, like going to see a show. That's going to be huge. I can't wait till not even just me playing a show, but going to see a band live. I can't wait for that. That's just like, you take it for granted. You've had it your whole life. It's never been taken away from you. Yeah. So that shit's the biggest one on my list. It's just live music. I miss it. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, 
I've been around the 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 uh, you know alive for a while. Like, and I'm 48, dude. I can't think of the last time it's been three three months or more since I've gone to a show. Not yeah, not having gone to a show. It happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like your it's your lifeblood. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of music or what. Like, just hearing live music. All right. So, like two two days ago, there's a place over here, and again, there's a lot of outdoor venues. So this outdoor place that had been closed from the quarantine opened up a beer garden just to, so they could open up and they're having live performances every night. And granted it's like, you know, mad social distancing, but we were eating at a restaurant nearby and I heard someone strumming a guitar and start to sing. And yo, I got emotional. I was like, Oh, live music. What? Yeah. I haven't heard that in so long. You, you wouldn't give yeah, a shit. What it could have been like your life. Yeah, it could be polka at that point, dude, and you'd be stoked. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, up here in Woodstock, it's a lot of hippie music, but, you know, it's fine. It, it's not really in my bag, but to hear it, it was just like, oh, word. I could totally kumbaya with all these motherfuckers in the beer garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I, I wonder, like, when they try and do um, social distancing with like hardcore and punk or like metal shows, like how that's going to fucking work because yeah. And how would you even pull that off? Because half of the energy is just about being all open to each <laughs> yeah, other's shit. Exactly. I know that's just weird. I don't want to think about that. I mean, I would do it obviously, but like, that's just yeah. weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, half the venues that have no stage diving policies can't control the no stage diving policy anyway. So what do you, how yeah, are you going to yeah. keep people like from, 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 from just, you know, I, I just, I think what they're going to yep. do, they're going to have to just do like less capacity type of situations. I don't think they can do social mm-hmm. distancing in a venue. When, yeah, it'd be less capacity with like bouncers with flashlights yelling at people to, to like spread out. That's probably what it's going to be, which is fucking weird, but. Yeah. You know, honestly, at this point, I'll take what I can get. I know there's people that, there's a, I think there was a, a woman in Germany who did like a drive-in um, where people drove their cars and she performed. And I yeah. kind of walked around the parking lot. <laughs> man, you know, honestly, man, if I got to do that, I'll do it. But um, Yeah, there was a know, comedians doing that same thing. There was like Burt Kreischer and some of them guys um, uh, did one where they, they, uh, they did a comedy show at a drive-in theater. And yeah. just set and up I feel a stage. Like if that's the route we got to go until shit starts to get back to where, you know, we can do that. Then so be it. I'll take what I can get. So, so basically what we're saying is we have to host a show in a demolition derby type of situation, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. have a band play and then you can bring your car, but be like, Hey man, it's like, you know, yeah, that would be sick, right? <laughs> you can't, you can, yeah, you can't, you can't mosh, but you can bring your car and you can, you know, we can have a demo <laughs> derby, dude. You know, <laughs> that's uh, like Thunderdome for cars. That's so Let's get uh, that. I would do. <laughs> all right, so the Seekonk Speedway. I don't know if you remember that place from oh, out here. I remember. I remember. All right, l- let's let's get up with them and see how, see what we can do. We got we got to be the first ones to put that on. You anyone Dude. you motherfuckers going to steal that idea? At least give give credit to me and Jesse for that because it's going to be a- yeah. Well, we could do like uh, yeah, we could do like uh, the weapon and the American War Machine to get some more like hardcore shit going on. Yeah, get some some bikers out there. And make it happen. <laughs> so yeah, man. I yeah, and definitely, dude. Like, I definitely want to. Um, Talk to you about the weapon because I heard that stuff. It's fucking, it's fucking rad, dude. Like, and, and I was stoked that you that you were that you're doing that. I think, and I don't know, you know, and, and we'll get into all kinds of stuff. You know, we'll talk about your history and and all that. But um, I think more than ever, I think we're going to see a resurgence in like good punk that like is like 
telling it like it is punk, you know what I mean? Or, or hardcore or, or even, you know, whatever, whatever type of uh, extreme genre you want to say, because, you know, like the 80s was like, you know, very political and passionate and then things kind of got yeah. good. And so things just kind of went off into other areas. But like, I think now more than ever, like 2020 is such a fucking crazy year and it doesn't matter what political background you are. Everyone has to take a step back and look and see the fucking craziness that's going on everywhere. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's going to be so much good, like fucking music coming out of this, like whatever genre it I, is. I certainly hope that's the case, but you know, as you know, cause you and I are similar when it comes to this stuff, cause we have, similar sentiments online i still feel like unlike the 80s i still feel like there's a lot of people who are either just overly sensitive overly angry or overly opinionated about a political side yeah and they're missing the point completely and i feel like it's really divided us on a whole other level where i feel like in the 80s there was a lot of unity about it like if you were on one side of like oh you know fuck reagan there was a real camaraderie to that and i feel like you can't even just say fuck Trump or fuck this or fuck that and then automatically you have your tribe your people because there's still divisions amongst those different divisions it's yeah. just crazy how divided it is right now and that's kind of my whole thing with the weapon I was just pissed off and I'm still pissed off I'm more pissed than I was in my 15 because I have knowledge I have wisdom that makes me yeah. more angry so like, I feel like the more you get to know what's going on in this world the more you get to know the corrupt system that is our government the more angry you are Absolutely. I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be bands here and there, but I don't know if it's going to have the magic of the Reagan era. And maybe that's just me being a huge fan and being raised by the Reagan era music. But from what I'm seeing online, it's just there's so much division and division amongst division. Yeah. And there's got to be something that unifies us somewhere along the line. And to me, it's just agreeing that it's all fucked. Like, we need to stop comparing and contrasting left and right and yeah. conservative and liberal because to me it's just that's put in place to keep us divided absolutely and I'm tired of that system absolutely i've never seen and i i'm one of the biggest uh you know similarly i'm one of the biggest outspoken like kind of uh people about this in the and i think in the punk and hardcore world it's like i've never seen such crazy partisanship in the punk scene as i do now like yeah what the fuck when did that become punk (laughs) yeah i'm like you know and it's and it's crazy because like you know it's it's easy to criticize one political party and easy for some people to criticize the other but it's like i'm stepping back saying fuck both of them dude like neither of them are representing me dude and that's how it's always been since we were kids yo 100 (laughs) percent. i love you put up a post a while back and was like if you were, if you're a hardcore kid, if you were raised by punk and hardcore and you're claiming to be left or right or whatever, like you missed the point entirely of the music that raised us. Like yeah. you said it in so, in so many different, you said it yeah, similarly like to what I'm yeah. trying to say, but yeah. that's how I feel. And that's why I'm like, I get it. I'm shocked when I'm seeing bootlickers, yeah. people who are like mad political and they're people that I know that grew in that that scene it just it fucking blows my mind because yeah. it's like what happened to you <laughs> yeah exactly dude. I, and, and that's what that's that's what um civil um not civil defense my uh american war machine had a song had a song just about that called assimilated and, and uh, mark from unseen did uh guess yeah. guess vocals with me on that and um it's just crazy like i like like question authority dude like that was it you know and it's like i think what the difference was and i've talked about this with other people on other podcasts when we were young there was way more of a us against them mentality, meaning like us against like 
the world like mainstream shit or like the 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 uh, against the political system against cops whatever dude like you know what i mean like so you know we were grew up like punk like so like you know i was you know i was more like punk and hardcore and stuff but like i knew kids that were like into like you know goth stuff or like people that had different viewpoints that were way more left than me or way more right than me and whatever. But like, we were more unified in that. Like when it came down to it, we like, we were, it was like us against like the rest of society, dude. Like, cause we were getting fucked yeah. with by everybody. And, and, and we were all like, you had to be there to hang out with each other. So you like, it was like, all right, dude, this is the dude that's going to get you back. Whether you a hundred percent agree with him or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, two, I got a, I got twofold thing to say on that because you nailed it on the head for one thing, but two two things. One, I l used to love the mix of the goth and the ska bands and like all those bands that would come together and like certain nights you'd see them at a certain club and like you knew they were your people regardless of the separation of genre or whatever. Yeah, there was definitely a mentality of like the underground kids, the people who were the misfits, the people who didn't fit in yeah. in high school. That you know. Outliers definitely had a sense of, there might be a little, little fights here and there, but on the whole, we were pretty much on the same team. We we're in the same tribe that, and the one thing I really want to nail on what you said that really struck a chord with me is you said mainstream, the word mainstream punk and hardcore became mainstream. I know. So, so because of that movement that happened in like the late nineties, two thousands, the hot topic generation, you had these people who weren't raised whether you know come from a poor family or from the street or an abusive home or like usually those types of people are the people that got into hardcore and punk yeah you yeah. didn't have privilege you didn't you weren't raised in like you know a suburban environment with like two cars and, a, and your college tuition paid you didn't have that shit you had to be part of the culture to know the culture so when the culture got exploited and put on blast through you know pop punk and whatever happened then you had all these people who were from these different upbringings that were like oh i like this music they didn't understand the culture they liked yeah. the music and then the music made them look like the culture so you have these people who look the part who like the music but they didn't have it in their blood they weren't raised on it they didn't no. discover it for themselves no and but it's you not could part of their lifestyle yeah you could go to hot topic at the mall and be like all right uh, i can buy you know, my starter kit for whatever I want. You you, you had the skinhead starter kit. You had the punk rocker starter kit, the goth starter yeah. kit. You could buy it all right there at the mall, right next to uh, JCPenney and Spencer Gifts, you know? And then you, know, you go down the rabbit hole online and you figure out what it is. But yeah. it's different when you had to discover it for yourself. It's different when you had, like, to be I there. remember going to shows when I was a kid and being scared. Yeah. Like, literally being like, I'm going to get my fucking ass kicked at this show. I remember seeing the Meat Men at Club Babyhead when I was young, and I'm, I literally had no idea who they were. And walking into the room full of skinheads and be like, yo, this is some big, crazy-looking motherfucker. Wait, is, this the one, the of, is that the one with Derek right? Lumina shit on stage and kicked it in the crowd? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then yeah. Tesco V said uh, Derek had like a lifetime pass to get into Meat Men shows. Oh my God, yeah. Dude, that's uh, funny. Peace, but, peace to Derek, man. Rest in peace. Uh, he was such a good dude. Yeah. So uh, listen, so I had like the time of my life and it was like going to shows like that where you conquer your fears and you become, yeah. you earn it. You earn that shit. And I feel like with punk and hardcore, it was a culture and you had to be there. You had to be a part of it. You couldn't just sit back from the sidelines and watch on YouTube. No. If you weren't at the show, you didn't see it. Or if you didn't know the dude who had like the, the VHS copy of a copy and you could actually see footage of it, 
which I didn't even give a shit about that. I wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big difference of it, the you culture of it. Yeah. No, yeah. So I had all these people who, like, you know, co-opted what we grew up with and call themselves punk, call themselves hardcore, which is fine. It's fine, but it has created this thing where there's a divide because you have people coming from different backgrounds yeah. than we did that have a totally different perceptive perception of, like, what the world looks like through their lens and they're filtering it through their lens and saying that this is punk and this is yeah. hardcore. Absolutely, dude. And metal too. Like it's all the same shit. Like to me, like, and it, it's, um, you know, like one of the things, this is, this is like piggybacking on what you said. Like when we got into it, like you got into it because you, like you were drawn to it and it was like, it was for you. Like, because it wasn't cool to be in it. Like you had to literally nah, yeah. fist fight. On a, I like literally got into fistfights on a weekly fucking basis because of like I had a skateboard or how I looked and it was like oh you fucking punk faggot or you faggot blah 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 and you, yeah. you had to get into oh, fights yeah. with like the jocks and the and the the whatever I'm not I'm not trying to use terms just to stereotype people but at the time it was like you know but that's what it was the though, Guido dudes the right. chalk dudes this dude that dude yeah. you know and it was just like and it was like you know then at some point like you said it like punk and hardcore and metal and stuff became like the cool thing. And like, then it was like the cool kids were in it. And then it kind of got so like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be elitist with shit. It's just that like, it, it, it's like you said, it changed. Like, I'm not like, like condemning it. I think, you know, the more the merrier, as long as people understand it and get into it for the right reasons, like it, yeah. I'm not down for it. If you got into it just cause it was like actually cool to be in a punk or like cool to like fucking dye hair or do whatever. And like, that was the cool shit to do. Like, no, that's, we weren't in it cause of that. Like we were drawn to it for the real reasons. And like, we had to fight because of that. Like, you know, and yeah, no doubt. And I think yeah, you're absolutely right because it was a badge of pride. If you got, if you were defending something or if you were called a freak or whatever, like I used to feel pride about that. Like I'd be bummed cause I didn't want to be picked on, but like it also made me like get angry and like, I felt pride in that. I was like, yeah, I'm not like you motherfucker. Yeah, and exactly. I'm proud of that shit. Yeah. But you know, speaking to the popularity of it, I mean, my career with kill switch engage wouldn't be what it is without that sure. small hot topic, you know, gentrification of music you know because we came from all of us and kill switch came from hardcore and thrash like underground shit yeah. and then when that shit popped off and like became you know i remember seeing the first time seeing like the quote-unquote like college kids you know with the the caps and like college sweatshirts and you know the jockey kids showing up to shows and throwing down in the pit and not understanding the rules of the pit yeah. fight that was kind of the beginning of it. it's like oh these dudes are now starting to show up to the shows and that's when shit kind of started to change and you had to change your mentality about it. So at first it was upsetting and I was like, damn, but then it was like success is happening. Money's starting to roll and you have a career. And I was like, Oh, so what do we do here? So now what I do now, even to this day is I look out and I'm, I'm still preaching unity. I'm still telling people don't do that in the pit. I don't fuck around, like pick somebody up when they fall, like little things like that. You'd be so surprised. Yeah, still mean something and still matter, and people appreciate that. They come up to me after the shows, like, "Yo, when you stopped the song for that fight and told people to chill." So that's kind of what we're doing with what our success is. We're trying to hand off what we've learned from our culture and let people know: look, you might think this is this way. For example, the pit is not a big fight. It's you getting out your aggressions. It's controlled aggression. Yeah. It's controlled violence. And teaching that to people who don't know what that is—that yeah, goes a long way with like crossing the you know, the bridging the gap, if you will, of people who don't really understand the culture of, of the music. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I remember, 
even in like the the like late eighties when and this is like and this is no dislike like ever like like to like when metal dudes like especially like some of the death metal dudes started like branching out and coming to hardcore shows like it wasn't all like cool at first because like a lot of them no, dudes didn't not. understand the rules and like they just was like they just would just fucking fuck shit up and it was just like they had to get educated and once they did it was all good and um but yeah like i know exactly what you're talking about just because that's even goes back to the late 80s like when 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 metal and hardcore kind of just started more converging together and uh and uh yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> I just remember still, well, it used to be some sketchy shows, 90s. man. <laughs> yeah. You still had that in the early 90s, though, too. I remember I remember starting to see Iron Maiden and Slayer shirts, the hardcore shows, and, and dudes with longer hair. Because I remember when I first, first started going to shows, if you had long hair and you went to a hardcore show, people still poked at you. If they didn't if they didn't start a fight with you and kick your ass, people were looking at you and be like, shh, fucking still over It still happened, and then it, through my generation in the in the, ni- in the mid '90s, you saw the embracing of that. You saw bands like Earth Crisis naming Slayer and wearing Slayer shirts and being like, "Yo, we we're down with this shit." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I remember Iron Maiden Slayer shirts started to show up everywhere on on hardcore bands, and I was like, well, "That was when that metallic hardcore thing started happening." Yeah, man. And that was the beginning of it all. And that's kind of where I come from. Is that mixture of? I mean, even Corinne, you, you can hear the metal. Sure. Uh, yeah. Chris Cassini was into black metal. Like he loved black metal. I remember. Yeah. Um, Didn't he? Joe, he had, he had like a crazy stomach tattoo that was all black metal yeah, style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not <Isn't> <laughs> funny. And then yeah, and then Joe, our guitar player, was really into the Cure. So we had these gothy black metal, death metal. So Corinne was very much a byproduct of the crossover movement, and like we embraced all of it. And it was that's the birth of like all these bands that went on to be what they were including, you know, my career with Killswitch, it all burst out of that crossover of, of metal and hardcore. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it, and there were like, even though like, you know, like what I'm talking about, there was like kind of distinct scenes. There was like certain dudes would come and they, they were more from like a, like a, like a real early, like late eighties death metal type thing. Like, not like the, not like the docking kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, those dudes used to come and start troubles just cause they didn't understand it. And like, I, you know, I don't, and uh but uh when it when it did kind of merge and meld like you know then you start seeing like like this is one thing i miss um and i'm this is a long roundabout way to get it but i remember we used to go to shows and they'd be like a punk band a hardcore band sometimes a metal band sometimes a ska band or whatever and the variety of that was always cool because you know it would bring different people to the venue but and this was this was at a time when you know it was hard to just you know like there was nothing else going on so so many people would show up to shows and um forgot who i was talking to this about but like you could have the same show happen in boston one day and providence the next because there was enough people to go to both shows and now like bands have to pick and choose which which market they're gonna do yeah and that shit was mad fun not to mention it was just fun because like you said earlier in the in the podcast here, you didn't know what to expect. So I remember going to the show and yeah, like a weird ska band. I mean, I remember seeing Mephiscopolis, a satanic ska band, and I was like at a yeah. show with with a metal band, with a hardcore band, and a punk band, yeah. and being like, "This is this is dope. What the fuck is fuck this?" Yeah, man. So, yeah. so I like that. To me, that was always that excitement when you see a band setting up and you don't know how they're going to sound. Where I feel like there was definitely a time and it's still the time where booking agents and people who book shows are going to book the same style of band. So you're going to go there and see like eight bands that are playing beat down hardcore. And it's like, there's no, it's like, I get it. 
I, I'm not yeah. that excited when I go to those types of shows where back then you saw the band setting up and you're like, Ooh, I wonder what they're going to sound like. And Oh shit, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I man. missed that. I definitely missed that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, some of these big fests kind of, kind of, uh, mix it up a little, but to me, that stuff's so overwhelming when they have these like two, three day festivals. It's like, that shit's just crazy. And like, too, you like know, and they do it in Europe like that, yeah. man, I actually love that shit. Yeah. Still such plays. Like we played in Japan and Bjork was a headliner. We, we played with like pop bands. We, I remember playing in Belgium and the headliner was, um, the prodigy. I'd never seen the prodigy before. I knew that yeah. back my bitch up in their songs. And I, Thankfully, because of how I tour, you know, you get the VIP. So we get to go see all these bands side stage. And I'll never, ever forget rolling up, you know, with a couple of drinks in my hand, like in party mode and watching the prodigy and literally almost dropping my drink and being stunned at how dope they were, how good yeah. the performance was. A group that I may have not gone to see and at these festivals that they have over in Europe, they're putting you in these bills with all these different kinds of bands. And I'm able to discover new music that way. And I wish America was like that, but it's really not. Over yeah. in Europe, it's there's a ton of that shit. Absolutely. And that's why I love festival season in June, like where you play festivals. I get amps because I check all the schedules ahead of time. And I remember seeing Jurassic 5 from hip hop, you know, yeah. like that shit is dope and it works. Yeah, and man. why doesn't it work here? Why are we not doing that shit here? I know, man? I know. And, and, you know, and that's why sometimes I just try to go to shows that, you know, I don't even necessarily care about because there's a big difference between. I think too, like seeing some bands live and then listening to a record. Like there's there's been bands where I listen to the record, I'm like, eh, and then I see them live, and I'm like, fuck yeah, and then I go back and listen to the yeah. record, and I have a different understanding of it, and I'm way more into the record. Yeah, uh, that's facts. That's that's facts. I totally agree with that. You can't judge a band unless you see them live for sure, yeah. and it definitely can change your mindset on on hearing that record. Yeah, I love that too. I love going to random mass shit. I love it. That's how I even got into like. Ska music and, and, and reggae music is from seeing it live. You know, when yeah. I was a little punk rock kid, like seeing that crossover, you know, the, before I knew what actual skinhead music was sure. and seeing skinheads dancing the reggae, it kind of blew my mind because I didn't think that that was a thing. And then once oh, I yeah. figured out that was a thing, I was like, oh, that's, yo, that's my people. That's dope. I had no idea that that was a thing. And, and like, it changed everything for me. And I got into reggae music because of that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I find that, um, you know, I think I was talking about this on the exact last podcast that people that like that are musicians and like really into music, like like you can be a metal band and you can like all kinds of different types of music and that influences you and brings stuff into your music, you know. And it's like I I find that people that really love music, like you know, I go I went through phases when I was a kid where all I was listening to was like you know maybe youth crew hardcore. Like I was listening to that for like three months and then I'd yeah, go listen to something when else. You're yeah, yeah, when you're when you're a little snotty fucking kid, right? Yeah, but yeah. like, there's so much different music I like, and for so many different reasons, and and I find that a lot of people that I know, or a lot of people that are like in like you know like bands or you know touring musicians, like so many people, it's like the same thing. Like you can appreciate so much stuff. Like you know, um, the last time that happened to me, and this is like me being late to the show with some stuff, but like. Um, at the Gates and Behemoth played, and I really like At the Gates, but I was never a big, yeah. big Behemoth band fan, you know. And then I saw their show, and I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Like it's the same thing like you did with Prodigy, right? Like I was like, "This show, the like their stage show is so compelling that oh, like I yeah, went back and listened to some of the music, and I was like, All right, I like it a little more.'" It's like you know, the See, it's funny you say that. I never got into them until I saw them live. I just got chill. I literally am looking at my arm. I just got chills. 
I was always like, ah, they're going for the satanic thing. I have whatever. I don't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I got to see them open open for Lamb of God, and I was I literally the same as you. It was like, damn, that shit is dope. Yeah, yeah. And then I went back and listened to the record. I was like, okay, word, I get it. That's, I get it now. Yeah. Fuck oh, yeah. yeah, they're a great live band. I know. I I love. It's funny because I used to like clown out on on black metal and all that stuff when I was younger. But if it's done right, it's yeah. cool. It looks fucking cool, man. No, no. Like, <laughs> like here's the thing. Like, so what I mean is like, there's, and, and exactly like, and I think this is kind of, you know, like there's a lot of stuff like where I might not 100% agree with like the, the lyrical content of the, 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 the whatever, like meaning like, I don't give a shit about like satanic shit or black metal shit. Like, you know, yeah. like the messages, yeah. but like if a band can play and you're like, fuck, this is like captivating. I'm like, I have to watch this fucking set. Like, there's something about that band that, like, just draws you in. Probably the same thing with Prodigy. Like, you probably feel like, I'd never really give a shit about Prodigy. And then it's like, they're so good live. Like, you can appreciate it. Dude, I'm not not even lying, dude. One of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life was the fucking Beach Boys, dude. I'm not even, like, a big Beach Boys guy, right? But, yeah. No, they were it. so fucking good live, dude. And I'm not, I'm not even fucking kidding. Like, I know you would appreciate it too, because like you, you're into a d- bunch of different music. I know you like hip hop and different shit like that. I have never heard like harder, like and fucking more like totally enveloping bass tones than I did. And it was, it was Beach Boys doing, um, all they were doing was the Pet Sounds record. Oh, that's a great record too. Yeah, yeah, so it was like a special tour where that's all they did was the was that, and they you know then they did that's a few of the, few of the hits you know because they gotta, but dude, I was like, fuck, dude, this is so fucking good. Now, am I gonna go I, throw a Beach Boys record on? Probably not. But if they come around and do that shit, I'll probably go. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, was like yeah. it was I had so the same good. Experience with um, with Hall and Oates, I saw them in Coney Island many years ago. Yeah, and they yeah you know, they blew me away, and I actually went out and bought Hall and Oates on vinyl because of that shit. yeah man <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> dude you know you, you, dude you know what I'm, I'm only laughing because i never gave a fuck about hauling oats either and then i saw a, like um, one of those like making of the band things with them oh yeah and then they yeah, got into yeah. how much of their stuff was like more like you know old motown influences and this and that oh, and i, yeah, sw- I swear to you. god dude hand to god dude like i never like I always looked at them, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you know, growing up as a kid and they were on MTV, like, what the fuck are these fucking jerk-offs, right? And then I saw that making of the band type thing where there was like an in-depth documentary and I like just instantly understood it better. And then I heard the songs and I heard them a whole different way and I fucking understood it. I I didn't go out and buy a record, but I was like, fuck, dude, that's actually like really fucking decent fucking music, dude. I get exactly what they're doing now. That's the beauty of music, though, I feel like, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you think you are, you know what I mean? Like, I love that because especially in like, you know, heavier music, there's a lot of posturing that goes on and a lot of like, you know, dudes who are like hard as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And, and deep down inside, a lot of those motherfuckers are just emotional and they just haven't heard the right music yet to let that out. <laughs> it's mad funny because I've toured with so many different bands, like Cannibal Corpse dudes, like the nicest, they are literally some of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. And they play some of the most intense shit ever. Like the yeah. singer George, couldn't be a nicer human being and his love of like fucking uh stuffed animals that he gets out of the clock like literally he can talk to you for an hour about stuffed animals and how much he loves his kids it's fucking hysterical yeah 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 but the same same shit goes on in the kill switch bus when if you come if you were to come hang on our bus at night most of the time you're gonna hear like 
sad fucking indie rock, old school country, outlaw country, like mellow ass shit. Most yeah. of us are just shit. We don't listen to a lot of heavy shit unless we're drunk and getting rowdy, which is, these days it doesn't happen quite as much. But yeah, yeah. music is beautiful like that because it helps you. I don't know. It's therapy. It, hope, it helps you open up parts of your, your spirit that you may not have known was there. Like when I got into like, I listened to a lot of meditational sort of ambient music. And it helps me with my anger and my anxiety and my depression. It's just crazy because when I was younger, I never thought I'd be into that shit. But yeah. it, it, that's the beauty of music. It transcends all that stuff. Sure. And and, and, and there's different... Um, I, this is such a... Like a, like a uh, not, not a big revelation, but it might be for some people, but there's different kinds of music for different things. When I'm at the gym... Guess what, dude? I am listening to the most fucking tough guy, hardcore metal, mm -hmm. like rah rah shit, like just, or or like super rah rah, like ignorant hip hop, like the shit that gets you yeah. hyped up. And like, I need I need to listen to fucking Madball to get that extra fucking plate on the fucking weights and and yeah. do a couple extra reps. Like that's you know what I mean. If I'm at home and I'm trying to fall asleep, guess what? I'm not listening to. I'm not listening to Madball. I'm gonna listen to like. Book of Tea or some shit or like fucking, you know, Lou Donaldson yeah. or some shit, you know, like some shit to mellow me out. Like, you, you know, like, or even I, I like dumb shit, like old uh, crime jazz or like exotica music, like from the fifties and shit. Like that shit makes me laugh, dude. And happy, you know? Yeah. I put on every once in a while. I just did this recently. I made like a big Italian meal and I put on Frank Sinatra live. There you go. And not only do I love Frank Sinatra. Th there's the Providence. Him, like, there's the Providence coming out in you. <laughs> I know, I know, right? The Federal Hills are coming out of my blood. <laughs> but um, listening to his banter in between songs, too, Joe, just you're laughing and you're singing along. Like, I love, I honestly love Frank Sinatra. But, like, you know, that's, it, it just set a mood. And it was, like, just infectious, you know? Like, it's all through the house. Just, like, Sinatra alive. I don't know. I love that shit, man. But you're right. Moods. Different moves for different things. I have a whole playlist I listen to when I'm out in nature or I'm riding my bike or, like you said, working out. Or or if I need to be creative even, I have music that helps stimulate like weird white noise shit I listen to when I'm trying to write lyrics. That shit actually helps me. I oh, put yeah. on this weird white noise shit when I have writer's block. And for some reason, my brain, just, it just works. I don't know why. Now, do you guys... Um, I know like most of the friends, most of my friends that are in bands that are like, you know, kind of like bigger or like full-time bands, like everyone kind of lives all over the place. Do you guys live all over the place or is everyone? everyone? Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's unfortunate because it's, it's caused us to make music that isn't uh, jam based like it used to be, you know, we used to all get into a room and, and, and jam out and write music and with Killswitch especially because we're all over the place. Uh, it doesn't really happen anymore. And it's gotten to the point where we actually had a sit down after the last record. We're like, yo, can we just like rent a house and like chill with each other for like a month and make a record that way? Because we do it all through via email. Yeah. It's just easier that way. You know, you don't have to worry about flights and money because everyone's everywhere, yeah. which is unfortunate. But, you know, that's why to me, the weapon was so cool because there's dudes I can drive to in like two hours, you know, Jersey, New York City. We all get together, we jam. And like when we recorded that record, I did it in two days with like three takes maximum, just get it done, get it done. And I haven't done music like that in years. And it was like such a good feeling to just like get it out, get it done. So my, after that, you know, it was like, yo, I want to start doing more recording like that. Sure. So with Kill Switch, we're actually going to make an effort to go back to the old school way. Cause sure. it's cool. It's efficient, but there's definitely a vibe that you just, you can't replicate when you're not in the same room with people. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, 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 uh, you know, like 
you need to spend some time with the music to be able to get the, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your process is like for writing, but like to me, like I definitely need to spend a little bit of time at least with like some of it, you know, to kind of, to be able to write. Yeah. I think it's it's a balance between having time and then too much time. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. That tends to be my problem. Sometimes I have too much time with it and I take too much time and then I overthink it. And my original idea is probably better than the one I had like two weeks from that point. Yeah. man. Yeah. Definitely want to stay within my process is I'll get the demo. I sort of jot down words, the keywords that the song makes me feel. And then my, my usual thing is I'll get up mad early and get like a ton of caffeine in me and go for a long bike ride with my headphones on. And for some reason, just being out and moving, getting the blood flowing, I, it, the creativity just starts to hit. And that's usually how I start making records. Yeah, caffeine and, and, and like exercise. I was going to say, it's crazy, dude. At the gym, I'll get all kinds of ideas, dude. I think it's just because everything's moving and firing, dude. Yeah, it's the science. There's a science to it for sure. And people who will deal with writer's block, that's my big number one thing is like get out and move. Yeah. Go for a long walk with your headphones on. The song that you're working on, put it to rest for a little bit. Don't listen to it. Go out and move. Get crazy, like whatever. Listen to other music. And then, like a half hour into your workout or a half hour into whatever, put that song on you've been trying to work on. And it's like magic. It usually works. Yeah, man, for sure. And uh, I'll find, too, I don't know if this happens to you, too. Like, if you're thinking about something or whatever, you go to bed. And all of a sudden, like, 4, 4.30 yeah. in the morning, you wake up and it's like, you got, like, a whole verse, and you're like, oh shit, I gotta fucking write this down wicked fast. Yo, that happens to me all the fucking time. All the time. It's crazy. It's crazy how that works. Because your brain, the science of that, too, because I've looked all this shit up, because I've had writer's block too many times, where people are just like, yo, we gotta finish the record, we wanna get paid, come on, what the fuck? Yeah, um, yeah there's the science to it. Your brain actually cleans out junk at night, so all the shit that might be running through your head that's distracting goes away. And that one thing that you've been working on, working on, working on, the, the muscle memory kicks in. Yeah, and your and brain's yeah, just processing it. Yep. It's a beautiful way to, to get shit done, sleep on it. That's why they say sleep on it. Yeah. That's that's facts. That's the reason why they say shit like that. It's scientific. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. So you guys just put out a record not too long ago that was like a compilation of B-sides where you, um, was it like a lot of it's getting uh, donated to charity? Yeah, I think we, we raised almost 40 Gs for charity. Fuck yeah, yeah, it was fucking nuts, man. And those are songs I loved, but we just made too many songs and it's funny because, you know, being one out of five very opinionated guys, <laughs> there's two guys especially that hated that shit. Like, they were like, fuck those songs. They suck. They're weak. I never want to put them out. And then when this opportunity came along to work with his organization, that's like a legit, so like American Red Cross, you know, like their money goes, we don't know where it goes. You donate to them, you're not sure exactly where your money's going. Yeah. This particular organization, which escapes me off the top of my head, um, are legit. So if you say my money, I want to help these people, you know, whatever, uh, the, the flood in wherever it's going to go there a hundred percent. These people will show up to these places and they stay there. They put their roots down. So they don't just go in and be like, Hey, here's some charity. We're out. There's still some people from that organization in New Orleans. There's still some people over in Southeast Asia where the, the tsunami, like yeah. these people stay. So it was like, such a good opportunity and like we couldn't turn it down and i was like fuck it let's just put out these b-sides hopefully fans like it enough to buy it on Bandcamp, yeah. and we can do a little bit of good in the world and well and a lot of the press great. on it too was saying you know and i'm you know i know you're not in competition with anyone or anything like that we're beyond that shit this stage in life but like a lot of uh i saw a lot of reviews and stuff where people were saying this is better than most people's like full like new records like and it's just your b-sides and stuff like that's not funny right so that's <laughs> it made me chuckle 
Yeah. I was like, I I'm flexing right now, but no, it's you know, it is what it is. Everyone's yeah. good. We have a really really high uh, filter process with Kill Switch, and we have a certain signature sound, which some people love, some people hate, some people think it's corny. But for me, it's all about the message. That's yeah. that's why I still do this shit. I love aggressive music. I love melody. But to me, it's about the message. That's the shit that that's the reason why I'm 42 and still busting my ass. And dude, not and for nothing to have that opportunity to like to like raise money and do something good for the world. I was like so stoked that we could do that with our quote unquote trash. (laughs) But dude, and not for nothing, man. Like I remember when we were kids, like you were probably like 14, 15 and I was like 18, 19 or whatever. And we were at, at shows like you were always like that though, dude, you were always about the message, dude. I remember that from when we were kids. That's why I always liked you. You know what I mean? Like, even though we were like, you know, you were a little younger than me or whatever. Like I was like, oh, that's a good uh, kid. Yeah, definitely younger. I was younger mentally too. I was on some like cornball shit when I was a kid. Uh, but it, was, it came from a good place, you know, that whole like, that posy youth thing, I took it to heart that the PMA, when I learned out, when I learned about that movement, yeah. you know, cause it was like, to me, what was so powerful about that shit was like aggressive music and minor threat was the one minor threats, the band yeah. that flipped everything for me because it was like, it's aggressive. It's angry. It's quote unquote scary to people, but you know, listen to what he's saying. He's actually yeah. trying to like make a point here and he's, he's positive and you can't ignore it. You can't yeah. like music you could, you put on and it's not your fucking background music. And that's what always got me. It was like, I was always so angry and frustrated with shit. And that was like, oh, we can do it this way. We can put on this band and I'm going to, whatever you're saying, you're going to shut up because I'm talking now. (laughs) I got the fucking conch and I actually (laughs) have something to say. And that's, that's still who I am deep down inside. I'm an angry little kid that just wants to make the world a better place. I can't help it. It's just ingrained into me. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's that's how we came up, dude. Like, so I, it, it makes one hundred percent sense. Like, like I said, like I was like a hardcore kid and whatever. But like, my first shit was like the Dead Kennedys and all that. And, and like, you, oh, brilliant, yeah. brilliant, dude. Like, the, you listen to it now, it's still fucking relevant, you know. And it's like we need another one of them, you know. Like, you know, it's like crazy, you know. And it's like, you know, no, he, they were, they he didn't choose a side. They they fucking harassed yeah. and they were on everybody, you know. And it was like pointing out the bullshit, everybody's bullshit. Left, right, whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't think there'll ever be a band like that, Kennedy's. G- absolute genius. And you can still put that shit on. And it's it's cool because it's heavy and it's like punk, but it's it's surf rock, too. Like, yeah, there's oh, so yeah. many different elements going on. And he just met the sarcasm that dripped out of him. Yeah. And that's another band, too. Like, I loved them, but I didn't get it till I saw it live. Not live, live in the flesh, but there was a... Um, I got it at... Um, in your ear records in Providence, yeah, yeah. VHS tape of yeah. them playing live and watching his stage banter. And he was one of the greatest frontmen of all time back then in, in, in the eighties and dead Kennedys. Oh, yeah. And genius, fucking genius shit. Not only that, uh, they yeah, were I mean, all top tier musicians too. That's what made them different. It was like, you had this guy that was like, they knew like, how to play s- such a common, like he had such commentary. And then all these dudes were like, actually really fucking good musicians. They weren't like yeah, three chord guys. Like Ray, I was, yeah. Ray Ray was- Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, they'll never be another band like that. Yeah. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. No, but it was so great. Um, but, but, but yeah, dude. And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but fuck. But I remember, dude, you were, you know, with Corinne and stuff, like you always like tried to like, you know, definitely like put messages in between songs or whatever. Like ITI, we were just fucking knuckleheads. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, but I, yo, I worshiped <laughs> at the altar of ITI. Fuck that shit. I never forget her in that first seven inch. And uh, my buddy J- Jeremy put it on. It was like, um, 
the sound quality is gritty and rough, but yeah. everything you're about to hear is. And then when that shit kicked in, jaw on the floor. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And like the, seeing the picture of the dude on the front with the with the microphone with his mouth, I was like, that's what the singer probably looks like. That's what it <laughs> sounds like to me. And then from that point on, actually, that's one of the reasons I wanted to scream. So before that, it was more of a punk yell. Like I was kind of into Metallica. I didn't really know too much about punk. Someone gave me a mixtape, and I kind of was like doing my best Lars Erwich punk. Not Lars Erwich, Jesus Christ, imagine <laughs> that. My best um, James Hetfield like impersonation. And then I heard that shit. I heard that seven inch and I was like, how do you do that? How the fuck do I do that? I actually remember when I was really young, it was me, you and Kendra and on Thayer Street somewhere. I was drunk. It was one of the first times I ever got drunk and Kendra was babysitting me. And I went right <laughs> up to you. I was like, I was like, I'm going to scream when I give me. You're like, all right, kid, whatever. And sure enough, <laughs> hey. sure fucking enough, I figured out how to do it. And I was like, yo, that's it. That, that voice, that weird scream shit that you did back then, which yeah. you still do. I, 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 I need to ask you how do you do it like every night when you go on these fucking 200 fucking when you guys tour like and do like 200 300 dates a year I, I can't imagine having yeah, to do which, that shit every which, night man <laughs> which is why you know there was a time there was a time where I'd be getting on stage spitting blood and being like oh shit I'm dying I'm dying of fucking cancer what's wrong with me and I would just drink it away and be like alright next show next show next show my voice would be fine it'd be fine it'd be fine and then one day it just it all came to a halt and I remember being in the studio and I just couldn't hit a note. And my producer was like, what's wrong? Like, you should be able to hit that, no problem. And they found this crazy growth. Uh, I had polyps on my vocal folds. And oh, when yeah. they did the surgery, I had to go in for surgery. And when they went in for the surgery, they found another one. And the doctor is basically saying, look, you've been singing on like a broken instrument for like a decade. Like, this looks bad. I don't know if we're going to be able to help you. You're, I can't promise you your career. And it was three months of quiet. And then, like, having the surgery done, trial by fire. And let me tell you, mentally, that was the hardest shit I've ever been through. I can't imagine. And then the first show back, the first show back after my surgery and me being re rehabilitated was opening for Iron Maiden in front of 11,000 people <laughs> in, in Eastern Europe. And I killed it. And my voice was better than it's ever been before. So moral of the story is if you want to scream like that and you want to do that shit every day, make sure you're doing it right. So yeah. I had to, like, actually get retrained on how to speak properly and then from that i learned how to like warm up properly so i have a whole technique now but that's only in the past couple of years prior to that it was like just balls to the wall like just pounding it out did you see uh, what's her name did you talk to melissa cross yeah and it's funny because back in the day when she first first started I was one of her first students. Oh, okay. But like, but I wasn't a very good student. I didn't study very hard. I never <laughs> did in school or anything. So like, her techniques were kind of lost on me. I was kind of doing the technique, but it wasn't the proper way to do it. And then when I went through all this shit, she was the first person to reach out and be like, I got you. I'll be there for you the whole... So she was there every step of the way. Fuck yeah. She was a lifesaver. And then she taught me all her techniques and it clicked. And okay. when I went out there to sing and scream for the first time, it was like, oh, this is how motherfuckers do it. Because I used to always be that guy, like, how the fuck are these guys, like, I, you know, touring with Iron Maiden too. Bruce Dickinson sings for three hours, and he's fine. He's great. Yeah. He's 60 years old. He's running around like a maniac. And it was always baffling to me, like, how do these motherfuckers do it without being sore? Or, like, days off, I couldn't even talk. I would just, like, my voice would be so blown out. I finally figured it out. But, yeah, Melissa Cross definitely saved my career. 
And I don't use her vocal fry technique, which people who are listening, if I know what that is, I still use my old school technique. I just do it better. I do it where there's a lot less damage. And I think they call it a, I don't remember the term for it. It's some term. It's funny because now we have teachers and people who understand how to do that shit (laughs) and can actually teach people how to do it where we didn't have that shit. We just yelled. We just figured it out. Fuck yeah, dude. And, and we, yeah, yeah. You learn by uh, doing it for so long that you get polyps in your throat and you have to get them cut out yeah. in two, three months of fucking intense fucking uh, silence and then, and then uh, rehab. Yeah. But, uh, but fuck yeah, man. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, this lady Melissa Cross, she does a whole thing called like Zen and the Art of Screaming and whatnot. And uh, she teaches people yeah, like yeah. that are in extreme bands how to do it and fucking whatnot. I guess I should look at those and then I would understand how you could do it on tour. Because I, I always get like, I always get nervous. Like, this is like, hundred percent me just like fucking telling you uh like you know because like with war machine we get offered some stuff here and there and i'm like we don't practice that much because like af is out on tour all the time and like slap yeah, shot's yep. been super active i'm like you know like i'm like yo you guys can sit in your room or, or like in your house or anywhere and play the guitar or play the bass like i can't just scream anywhere dude like i gotta get my tolerance up like and i gotta get my uh you know uh you yeah know. you do you do it's so <laughs> fucking important man so when I get ready for tour, this is a great conversation to roll into from that. Um, and another reason why I love living out here, because when I get ready for a tour, I live where my neighbors are far enough away where I might put my stereo system, my sound system, my house all the way up. Yeah. And I scream like I would be on a stage and it's loud yep. and I can do it. I can do it all day, all night. And no one's going to say shit. I never had that. So when I lived in the city, I'd, I'd be in my little, my little Hyundai fit. You know, driving around Brooklyn, screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs. I'd be stopping at a stoplight, and all these you know, brothers would stand and be like, what the, what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah. I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm getting ready for tour. <laughs> <laughs> so, yo, so now I start with like two or three songs. I chill the next day, four or five songs. So I'll eventually build myself up to a full hour and a half or so. So do you do and like your people, set list? Yeah, yeah. Strictly, strictly. My set list, and then, like, you know, if I'm starting to feel cocky and feel good, I'll start singing blues. I'll start doing other things just to keep my voice warm and keep going. But, yeah, it's a whole process. I, and I used to just jump on tour and, like, boom, go. And that you are you can't do that. It's like going into a weightlifting competition and not lifting weights. Right? Yeah, yeah, like you're yeah. going to do damage. And I had to learn that shit the hard way because with Killswitch, even when I first rejoined Killswitch, I never used to do that shit. I used to just get drunk, get on the plane, show up, and be like, all right, we got ourselves, do it. Yep. And like blow my voice out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now I got to be real careful about it. And um, I actually sleep a lot on tour. That's part of getting old too, but I don't party. I, like I don't, like partying to us now, well, at least for me, a couple glasses of wine, listen to some music and go to bed. Like when I'm on tour, school night, you don't yeah, fuck yeah. around anymore. It's like, it's a career. It's not just, you're going to play a couple of shows and then, you know, go back to the shop on Monday and go to work. I, it used to be like that, but it's not like that anymore. So it's a whole, yeah. it's a whole lifestyle. And if you want to do it and be pro and be full time, you got to take it serious, and you got to find a place to scream. You got to find a place to go nuts, and even move. I like get my body moving again, and like doing all the movements I do on stage. Like that's done a toll on me too. My spine, my neck. Yeah, I man. still go nuts. I still go crazy, but my shit hurts. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. um, before, you know, I want to get more into Kill Switch, but like there was a couple of things we were talking about that makes me just want to talk a little bit more about the weapon. Then we'll no, get we're over. not talking about Kill Switch. I talk about Kill Switch all the time. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I gotta, I maybe have a different audience that might want to hear more about it. But like, fucking 
the weapon, man, like what made you, like what was the impetus behind that? And you know, what made you do that? Like now, like, like, I, like, yeah, you know, it's just cause it, to me, it seems like there's going to be some kind of like what I was saying earlier. Like, I feel like there's going to be some kind of convergence and like people are going to be talking out about all the fucking crazy shit that's going on right now. Um, so just for, for me, like you, you have a very successful band. Like what made you want to go do this like kind of punk side project right now? Yeah, so the weapon has been going on for a couple of years. Just I just don't. I've always wanted to do like a straight up hardcore band, and back in the day, it was like I wanted to do more like an infest, like kind of power violence because like the quick songs, really fast, angry. Like infest is one of my favorite all time yeah, hardcore yeah. bands ever. Me too. Me love, too. love, love that shit. Um, but it just never worked out, and I just never found the right dudes who could commit to something, but also not commit because like I'm just never going to be around. And Chris. Um, Drapu, who was in Aggressive Dogs for a while, he was in a band called Die Will Be Done, but he's done metal, he's done hardcore. He just hit me up and said, yo, I've been listening to a lot of Discharge lately, I wrote some riffs, what do you think? I'm like, yo, this is what I'm talking about, somebody who gets it. And the moment he referenced Discharge, I'm like, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> so going to do it. So he sent me a couple of like riffs and demos, I was like, cool, cool, this is like 2017. And uh, he was going to be moving down into Brooklyn from New Hampshire, because where he lived. So it just kind of worked out and we just started talking about it. And a lot of it was just talk. Like we just talked and kind of played around with ideas. And then I got my boy Josh involved and Josh is, um, he's an old school punk from way back in the day, but he also works for Silkwood. He's our uh, production manager, stage manager, the guy that like calls all the shots on stage. And him and I are like really tight friends. Like when we tour together, like he's my man. Like we go out to punk bars, like we go to punk shows on days off. Like we like a lot of similar types of music. That's my man. So I've got him in the group, and then our drummer owns a studio in Yonkers, New York. So there was a place to jam. He's a killer drummer. He's got like kind of a Mackie style. Like it's unorthodox. It's weird the way he plays, but it sounds so good and it's fun to watch. So I just had these perfect blend of people, and it took a while to get there. And, you know, again, demoing those guys did a lot of the work themselves. When I'm on tour, you know, the drummer and guitar player we get together and like riff out and they take demos and. So a lot of it was done before me, and then when I finally got a chance to do it a small pocket of time, uh, just went in and wrote a lot of lyrics on the spot. Just did about three takes, got it out. And to me, just it felt important. It felt like that's something I needed to do. I needed to exercise that part of myself that I can't really be 100% outspoken in Kill Switch. I have my songs, and I'm definitely outspoken about how I feel, but I write it pretty poetically, so it's not super preachy it's not in your face it won't turn off the filters cloud for the most part the message is there but it's 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 sort of political light and uh with the weapon it just felt like i could show my true like anarchist leanings and my anger and, and just short fast to the point it's my roots it's where i come from yeah and it was just nice to be able to demonstrate that and show the crowd of metal people like not all punk is the punk you think it is. I talk to people all the time, Kilfish fans, and they're like, I don't really like punk. I'm not really into like, you know, Green Day and blah, blah. I'm like, nah, that's, <laughs> nah, you don't, the kind of punk I'm talking about is, and I was like, literally the first couple bands I looked off, I like, you know, GBH, this is a big one. I fucking love GBH. I'm like, do you want to know what punk sounds like? Put on some old school GBH. That to me, that's punk. Fuck that's yeah. the kind of shit. When I say punk, so that's what I'm saying. And you surprised a lot of metalheads. Like I had no idea. I'm like, yo, you like Metallica? Yeah, they wear the Misfits. Shit. Listen to the old school Misfits. Like that punk. Like, 
Yeah. So man. for me, it's kind of my way of being like to everybody, like this is punk and hardcore. This is where I come from. When I'm talking about it, it's this shit right here. Yeah, man. So what, what was it that you wanted to say, like in a more direct way, you know, with, with the weapon, like, like what did you want to say? Um, uh, fuck the system. Yeah. Start treating each other a little better. You know, we need to unite to fight the real enemy. Those, you know, those anthems that, you know, fight the real enemy. That's shit. When I first heard the business and I was like, yo, that's the shit. That's, that's the thing that always drew me to this kind of music. And I'm just able to say it with a more of a straightforward approach with the weapon. And the energy of punk is so different from metal. You're not worried about all the technical stuff. You're not worried about if this shit works good enough or not. You're just on blast. You just put it all out there. And you can't replicate that energy. It's so different. As much as aggressive music gets all lumped in together, <clears throat> that punk hardcore shit is just it's got a different vibe, a different feel. And yeah, if you read the lyrics of, of any of those songs and we have them up on our band camp and eventually I think we might do a physical release. Uh, I'm just speaking plainly. It's anti-racism. It's like speaking out against pr- police brutality. It's talking about how like the system's rigged. It's talking about people taking pride in something they have no control over. This weird patriotism and, and xenophobia that is just misguided. And we need to question authority. We need to think for ourselves and, and like use your fucking head. And that's the that's the ideals and that's the ethos of that I was raised in and steeped in that is still in my blood and still very much a part of who I am and what I want to say to people. And with Killswitch, there's a mixed bag, you know? I don't write about this one particular thing. Sure. It's, there's an element of, I hate to use this word, but let's be, let's be totally honest, there's an element of pop that has infiltrated into our style, you know, with the big hooky choruses and the stuff you sing along to. And the reason why that band is predominantly as successful is because it did reach out to a much wider audience and not everybody in that audience wants to hear an aggressive fuck the system message yeah so when i write for that band i'm careful to pen it in such a way where it's poetic and it leads you to the point but it doesn't slam your face onto the point where with a sure. weapon it's no old barred it's yeah, yeah. your face like, fuck <laughs> yeah I, and i fucking love that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I get so it. And I get it. That's and I my get favorite it. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I, one of the biggest things I'm bummed about is like the business actually hit me up and they were like, "Dude, we love you." Well, I think they said, "Mate, we we really love your podcast. We want to come on when we're, we're on when we're on tour this this summer." And I was like, so looking forward to it. They were the first ones that I didn't really like know that to hit me up to come on and I was like, "Oh, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely." I was like, but you know, I'm just more I'm more interested, I, you know, I'm I'm just very curious to see you know who they had you know see a show without mickey Fitz. you know like that's, oh, geez, th- those that's are those hard, are hard yeah. hard shoes to fill man and i'm sure it they is. did you know i'm sure they i'm sure i'm sure they they're coming out legit i just i, I just i can't imagine it you know yeah but, i mean the same thing could be said for discharge but you know i fucking love new discharge we, and, and like people can argue all day till they're blue in the face like it's not the same it's not the same but you know what i'd rather have the spirit of that band carry on with that fucking ethos and that message with somebody who steeped in it and was a huge fan of it. Yeah. And like, if you watch discharge, you hear the most recent record. It's still fucking, no, I, it kills. 100% so dude. 100% dude. We, we, they, they played at the bowl a couple of years ago in New York and, uh, it was the singer of, uh, the Verrucas, uh, singing for him. And it was so fucking good, dude. Like, you know, it was like the legacy has to live on. And I feel that way about the business as much as like, 
the personality. I mean, he was larger than life, period. Yeah, not absolutely. just on the mic or off the mic. And you can't replace that. So it's not, you shouldn't, I guess people shouldn't look at it as replacing somebody. It's just letting the legacy live on. And somebody who grabs the mic that I'm sure 100% is a massive fan and is probably so fucking stoked to do it, that's going to give probably even some new blood to it. You never yeah, know. Absolutely. And that's like when uh, there's been things like for, for like, war, like, like war zones played and just has like, 10, 15 people get up and each, everyone sings a different yeah, song. It's, it's I mean, same spirit. thing with Bad Brains when HR's had bad nights, you know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people from the Cro-Mags and, and like, we don't care. Whoever's going to fucking sing the song, yeah. sing it. Let's just do, let's do it. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it when each eye has a bad day. <laughs> Jesus, man. Dude. I, uh, I love, love, I mean, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Sure. But I saw them in New York City and... It was one of those nights, and I, I, I hate to say it, I walked out. I was like three songs in, and and I was like, I can't watch my hero do this. And that was when he was real sick. Like he did, they were playing like the punk shit, and he just looked like he didn't give a fuck, and he had like a bulletproof vest on, flat jacket, and I was like, oh no. Yeah. But I've seen them when they're on too, man, and and the shit's incredible. So, yeah, fuck it. You just want to hear the you want to hear the bad brains. Get John Joseph up there, do this. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when uh. It's like uh, one of my favorite shows, like one of the standout shows of my life was, uh, I think it was 88, maybe 89. It was Bad Brains at the old living room. And um, they that's when they recorded the uh, Eye Against Eye video. And, oh, my and, God. Dude, that was such an amazing show. Like, you know, like that's when like HR was still like doing flips into the crowd and fucking yeah, going yeah. ape shit like the whole time. And you're like, how is this dude doing this? You know, and singing. And, yeah. And, and uh, and I was never a big, uh, kind of like the same thing with like Sam Black Church. I was never a Sam Black Church fan, but I'd be like, how is this guy doing this? Like I saw their first show and the dude was like hanging upside down on a pole, fucking screaming, going fucking yeah. nuts. And I was like, I'm not really into this, but I fucking respect it. But but with HR, like I was like Bad Brains, I was super into Bad Brains. And I was like, how is this guy fucking doing this shit and still singing this shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, he, yo, he was a force. I mean, everyone yeah. said it and I have to agree at a certain time he was the best front man in the entire world absolutely and like i didn't see that era of bad brains because i was still too young for that shit but yeah. when they came back as soul brain i caught them in boston and it was actually a good show and he actually had energy and he had life to him i mean granted in between songs he was like hitting on on like some of the white girls in the front row and like reading, <laughs> reading from the bible and like just doing weird shit but when the music was playing he was still with it at that point yeah but i mean it's hit or miss with that band but i'm glad yeah. i got to see at least a yeah, couple yeah. good shows with, with them legend fucking and speaking of which my neighbor is uh dr no like i see him all the time but oh like, really yeah it's funny because he he's a friend of a friend like i and i know he's a nice dude but i think i've seen him out three times in, in the neighborhood because we live in the same neighborhood and i have yet to approach him because i'm such a dork about it i'm like ah, dr. No. <laughs> i don't want a fanboy i would rather meet him in, in a situation where i'm like yo i'm your neighbor what's up you know yeah, cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or but just... I'm, still, I'm still such a fanboy i have yeah, that yeah. like avoiding introducing myself <laughs> to him. And, you, and those are the dudes i feel the worst for like him and daryl and all that you know it's like you know they just want to yeah. do some shows and it's like oh they got to deal with hr and and I, I don't you know i'm not disrespecting like obviously he has you know mental issues like you know what i mean i'm not coming down on the yeah guy. yeah and he's on the upside he's doing his reggae thing and much love yeah. to him and, 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 his, and his girl like for sure but you know facts is facts when you have like the, one of the most legendary hardcore bands of all time and and the singer just like snaps it's 
something you're going to talk about. Yeah. Especially yeah. when we've all seen the worst of it and then there's documentaries about it. It's hard not to talk about it. Sure. It's like the Cro-Mags thing, you know? Like, you, people always want to talk about that. And it's still, it's still going on. Online. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, to me, and, it's a total it, shame, but it's like, it's funny, kind of. Yeah. It's sad and, it, and funny. And, and, you know, the difference is, is that there's not two bad brains touring, there's, but there's two Cro-Mags out there playing yeah, shit. Black Flag, another yeah, one. Yeah. Like, come on. All right, dude. I, I gotta, you're the first person to bring up Black Flag, so I gotta talk about this. Black Flag, the Greg Ginn Black Flag with, um, yeah. Um, what's his name singing? Uh, the old skater dude. Uh, yeah, Mike. Is it Mike? Mike, Mike Vallelli, yeah. yeah. They yeah. they played in New Bedford, bro, like a year ago, year mm-hmm. and a half ago. And I went to the show, and it was mad money, but I was like, dude, when am I going to see Black Flag play in New Bedford? And I, I tell you what, man, I was like ready to fucking walk the fuck out. And it was no disrespect to Vallelli, but fuck Greg Ginn, dude. Like that was just a money grab. It was so yeah. uninspired, dude. He was just like, you know, and it was just like, why are you even doing this, dude? Like, and that you- fucks me up too about like punk bands, right? You got the Misfits too doing talking about a cash grab. It's just like <laughs> yeah. it is what it is, but yeah, it's disappointing because that's not what our culture is about. It's not oh. what any of this shit's about. They, the bickering, the infighting, the money. It's like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, and, and and not for nothing. It's like you know. When I was a kid, like Black Flag is such a defining fucking thing to me, dude. Like big influence on my life. You know, years ago, yeah. were you at the show at the um, where was it in Boston, uh, where they did a, a benefit for the West Memphis Three, and uh, they came no, out. No, I wasn't there. You know what I'm talking about, though. Like, uh, yeah, I do know what you're talking about. I wasn't there, though. Yeah, yeah. Keith Morris sang the first half of the set, and Henry Rollins sang the second half of the set. That's that, what's up. That was badass, dude. You know, and it was yeah. like, you know, and it was like. You know, this one came out. This, you know, so I was like, you know what, dude, I want to see Greg Ginn play guitar live. And it was like, yeah. it was like, it looked like it was like painting him to be there. I was like, all right, dude, fuck you. Like, we just all paid like 20 or 30 bucks to get in here, man. Like, fucking at least be like halfway into it. You know what I mean? Like, for, and so, my thing is, too, what else are you going to do right now with your life? Yeah. yeah. What, what, else, what else do you have to do that's better than playing some Black Flag? Yeah. He, he had that band <laughs> for a little while, the Royal We. Like, oh, so what are you going to do? Tour with them, dude? Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and it's weird, man, because, like, you know, it's like, if you're not into this anymore, all right, it's cool. Like, cool. There's plenty of other younger bands out there that are killing it. Yeah. Or, you know, bands like Sick of It All who are older than all those motherfuckers and still still destroy that shit live, man. Destroy. Yeah. Because it's still in their heart. Like, you know what? Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it just a fucking cab gra- uh, 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 a cash grab, cash dude. Grab. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you. Like, I was like. Killing like, the vibe and you're killing the whole culture when you do that shit. I hate that shit. Yeah. I was like ready to go come home and break all my black flag records. And I was like, wait, what, some of them are worth money. I'm going to fucking sell them. <laughs> I didn't know. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was like, you know, that I was feeling, so. Yeah, they just let you, he let you down. That's, yeah, I was bummed I mean, out, that's, dude. That's what, but that's what money does to people. And that's the antithesis of our whole fucking seeds with, with hardcore and punk. Fuck oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like no one's forcing you to do it, dude. Like, you know, you know, it's like. And, uh, you know, they did, they had all these weird things too. Like, cause originally, uh, we got tapped, uh, war American war machine got asked to like open up and we're like, all right, that's cool. And, uh, then they were like, oh no, no, we can't. Sorry. They don't want any, any local bands. Only, only their tour package can play. They don't want anyone else playing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that happens a lot with bigger bands. And I say we're guilty of that shit too at times. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But but you know what? I don't hold Kill Switch Engage to like a punk rock standard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's a different, it's a whole different genre of music. Like, and and it's not you making that. It's like fucking Greg Ginn saying he didn't want any local bands playing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no doubt. You kind of need some of these local bands, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Because he brought some weak ass band out with him. And I'm like, you know, and I'm, you know, no disrespect, but I'm like, it's two bands. And, you know, it's like the first band is whatever, and then Black Flag. And it's like sort of Black Flag. And yeah, those types of shows are hard. If you're going to a show and only seeing two bands, that's hard. I, three is the minimum for me. I mean, when we yeah. go overseas sometimes, like, like for example, we played in, like, Russia, and, like, they don't allow all these opening bands. Like, it's, it's weird. That's an exception to the rule. But, like, come on, man. Two bands, and you're paying X amount of dollars. You can have a little more. Have a band, like, at least drink to and get warmed up to then a band then another band i think three is the magic number four yeah yeah fuck yeah dude (laughs) and being like no local bands like blah 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 and i'm like well technically i don't know like our dudes are in agnostic front and fucking slapshot bands that never stopped so fuck you dude like you know like we got we got more high ground here not you dude like you're coming back so you can get a couple bucks because because you see because you see keith morris doing well because you see keith (laughs) morris doing well yeah you know and it's like with the off stuff, you know what I mean? And it's like, Oh, but whatever. Um, and just, and just flip it into, into something that I felt might be appropriate to go into is the whole, like kill such being it, 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 you know, what it is and kind of all of us coming from that scene and talking about money exchange and stuff like that. It's funny because there was a certain point in my life where I was actually asked to rejoin kill switch when there was a falling out and there was issues with the other singer, Howard. And I actually said, no, uh, initially I turned the gig down. I was a bartender in New York city, like working this blue collar shit, you know? And, and, you know, I had to come to terms with my punk rock guilt. I had to come to terms. <laughs> it was literally like, literally like a moment in my life where I swallowed my pride and it changed my life forever. And I remember it was behind the bar. I was like cleaning some glassware and some dude recognized me. and was like, yo, didn't you used to sing for kill switch? This is literally days before they were going to hold auditions in New York City for a new center. And it kind of just struck me. And I was like, I had to really face down like my punk rock guilt and like go, all right, so do I rejoin this band and sing a bunch of covers I didn't write and have the opportunity to create new music and actually have a career and not work at this fucking bar? And I decided, I was like, yeah, fuck it. You know, I don't care if whatever cred I had is gone. I don't give a fuck about that shit. And it was the best move I ever made. And when I talk to people about that, especially to some of my old school friends who still sort of have that weird, childish, angry punk rock mentality of like, oh, you're a fucking sellout, your band sucks, this and that. I just tell people, I'm like, look, it's a job too. You can talk about how you were steeped in a culture and raised a certain way and you think a certain way. But like, what do you do for your work? What do you do for a job? Oh, you know, some of these people work for corporations and they sit behind a desk. I'm like, yeah, you're the you. sellout, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, I would rather be in a band that you might think is cheesy or whatever the fuck, then have to work at a bar making next to nothing on cash tips. And like, that whole mentality flipped in my head. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me. So I can still claim that I'm a punk, that I'm a hardcore kid. And my job is pretty fucking cool, actually. And it allows me to do a lot of weird, crazy pirate shit all over the world. Sure. But it's funny to me, like, I still meet people in their 40s 
that still had this mentality that has stuck with them since they were younger, where they're just, I think, stuck spinning their wheels in that mentality of like, their band plays the same venue every other weekend, and they work a job they hate, they fucking hate their boss, and they're punk as fuck. It's like, it's just so funny to me how that mentality is still so prevalent in a lot of people. Yeah, but I think some of that comes from a disingenuous place where they're just there's a little bit of jealousy and they 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 they're hiding oh, no it doubt. they're hiding it under punk guilt. Cuz here's the thing, man, like if you're out doing your thing and I follow you, bro, like I've known you for a long time and you know, we don't we, we haven't hung out in years or whatever, but like I see I see what you're doing like you're always putting the right fucking messages out, but you're just getting it out to more fucking people now. So fuck you, dude, if 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 you don't like not you, but fuck anyone that's coming yeah. down on you for doing that shit. Like if if you yeah. were like out there being a total fucking cock rock dick fucking dude, yeah, like fuck you. But like fuck you to anyone that's criticizing you because you're just bringing a message out to more people like you're not changing what you do just to just to get more commercial success you're just you're 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 you and you're you happen to be in a band that attained like a more a bigger level of commercial success than a lot of punk bands you know what i mean there's there's, to me there's nothing wrong with that you know what i mean like and anyone that's against it is just like coming from a place of jealousy or hate or something you know what i mean that like fuck that dude that's childish no, you're right. You're right. But that shit still follows me. And it's so funny because like, I have to like, at a certain point in my life, and thankfully I'm, I'm not there at all. I ignore the bullshit. I'm, I basically don't fuck around online much at all anymore. But yeah, yeah it was a certain point in my life where I, I was like just bummed. I was like, fuck, man, did I make the right decision? Am I a fucking sellout? It was so funny to me because you're right. I'm getting the message out to more people. So like, to me, that's more punk rock. I'm, I'm yeah. getting the message out to people who wouldn't go to a small show with like 250 people for whatever kind of band. Cause that's not their style, but you're not going to so, get yeah, everyone, but you know what? Maybe some of those people will. And that's, that's, that's the gold. You know what I mean? To me, like you get some, well, that's dude. Why I'm always repping hardcore. Like when I first joined the band, I was constantly repping hardcore bands on I my know. shirt. I know. <laughs> and I, now I do it with patches on my vest and like in interviews, I'm always quick to like mention the bands that no one talks about, you know, the bands that inspired and the bands that flipped us into our style. And if nothing else, that's what I can do for my culture. And that, if anything, I can leave that legacy behind of like pointing back to the people who were standing on the shoulders of giants. Any any of the bands that came out of the northeastern United States in the in the mid nineties or late nineties, we were all standing on the shoulders of giants. And sure. like to me, I'm just constantly pointing back. And that's why it's mad cool to like get on the road and like see bands like Agnostic Front and Sick of It All still fucking throwing down and killing it. And eventually, occasionally, every once in a while, we cross paths, and it's just such a fucking cool vibe yeah. to see these dudes who didn't switch anything, who didn't have commercial success, are still hitting the ground running and still pouring their hearts out to people. Absolutely. I'm still inspired by Agnostic Front. I'm still inspired by Sick of It All. And those dudes are much older than me, and I still think they're doing it better than most young bands out there that are like trying to be hard as fuck and whatever the fuck. Those bands put those bands to shame, and I'm so proud of that because that's where I come from. Yeah, man, dude, that's actually something we've been talking a lot about on the podcast. Not not a lot, but it's coming. It's come up a few times. Like it's crazy because when we were kids, you know, there was only a few years of history, and now there's like 30, 40 years of punk rock. 
like in hardcore and stuff. Like it's crazy that, and then, but there's still bands that are playing that were playing back in the day. Like Agnostic Front's been playing since the fucking early eighties. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no doubt. And they're still playing now. And it's like, and those songs still hold up. He plays anything off Victim in Pain and the whole crowd's going fucking ape shit and people yeah, know the words. Like, yeah. Cause the shit is timeless. It's funny too. Cause you know, as, as I was, you know, being raised by um, a very educated father who was a, you know, a staunch Christian minister. And I was raised a very strict family. I always got the sort of like, when I was younger, it's a phase. What are you going to do with all those tattoos when you're older? All those typical things you hear from parents who want better for their kids or whatever. It's funny for me to look back on that now. And like you said, now it's a legacy. It's a, it's a huge part of history and it's not going away. No. It's not going anywhere. And because of that, that's I'm able to like be successful. My favorite shit ever. Now we're talking about my parents, my dad was being able to like with my career and my mom was always supportive. My dad was always pushing college and pushing agenda and his way of life. I was able to send them over to Europe for two weeks for a cruise and like give them a vacation. And like, it's mad funny. There's a quick story I could tell about this. I remember when I was a kid, my brother brought iron made a number of the beasts tape into our house and my dad found it and smashed it in front of us and gave us the whole each on like devil music you know this is back in the 80s sure like P- that shit P- was P- everywhere pmrc everywhere. days yeah pmrc yeah. days <laughs> yeah and uh so i you know when iron maiden invited us out to tour it was like crazy tour crazy package it was like holy shit can't believe we're doing this and i knew i had a big paycheck coming from it and all that so I actually took my parents out to dinner and I was like, Hey dad, do you remember when we were younger and you found the tape number of the beast? And I could, he's like, remembered the story. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, cause he's different now. He's not like that anymore. Thank God. Uh, no pun intended. But, um, and he like laughed and I'm like, well, I'm going to help send you guys to, to, to Europe for two weeks. My, you and mom going on like a, I put them on like a wine cruise, a Viking cruise where they do wine tastings and shit. And uh, when I got on the tour, I was like, oh, so dad, this is paid for because I'm getting ready to tour the Iron Maiden. He's like, <laughs> he laughed, he laughed, he laughed. <laughs> then that one, the first day of tour, I got to meet Bruce Dickinson, who was a total gentleman, really nice dude. All those Iron Maiden dudes are super fucking nice. And I got to tell Bruce the story. And Bruce is like, oh, you know, tell your father that it's, it's not meant to be literal. We're not satanic. It's more like a history lesson. And he like went off on this spiel. And I got back home and told my dad it was just such a fucking full circle amazing thing and i was able to sort of like kind of shove it in my parents face like look yeah, what yeah, punk yeah. rock and hardcore did for me look what metal music did for me i'm yeah. able to do this fuck yeah so that's, to me one of my favorite fucking memories of my quote-unquote success was being able to throw it in my parents face <laughs> <laughs> be like yeah yeah it's fucking uh, it would have been way better if you could have had Bruce call your dad. <laughs> oh my God, right? Be like, hey, ma- hey mate, fucking some shit. But uh, dude, actually, you know, it's funny. The first time I've ever seen Iron Maiden was last year at the, um, and uh, dude, what a fucking show those motherfuckers put on for, for a bunch it's of older dudes. Crazy, Holy right? shit, dude. I know. Dude, it's like it's literally. Point of, like, it's kind of comical how theatrical it is and how fucking crazy it is, but. They've always been known for that, and they yeah. do it. Like, if any band does it, it's great. It's them. It's honestly like Ringling Brothers, you know, the greatest show on earth. Like, you can't yeah. fuck with it because I don't care if you're a fan or not. You're going to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was there was two shows last year that were, like, fucking crazy to me. Like, I took my father, maybe it was like a year, year and a half ago. I, saw, I took my father to Gillette Stadium to see the Rolling Stones. 
And oh wow, holy fuck, dude! You know what a fucking show. Like again, there's some Rolling Stones songs I like, you know, that I, that I actually really like. But I'm not like a huge Rolling Stones fan in general. Yeah, yeah. But like just to see, you know, how stoked my father was was awesome. But two, like holy shit, what a fucking show these guys put on. And they're old motherfuckers, dude, and they don't stop. They didn't stop for, like, they played for almost, uh, for, like, over two hours. And, you know, they took, like, yeah. Mick Jagger took one break, and, like, uh, and and, uh, and that was it. Like, and, you know, they were doing things, like, where they would come out, and then they were, like, they have, like, this, like, little walkway that led to this, like, little, little stage that was in the middle of the crowd, and they'd all play, like, it was, yeah, like, a yeah, little stage, that. you know, and it was fucking cool, man, and they sounded awesome, and, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 you know, the only thing was, like, Mick Jagger took one break, and Keith Richards played two of his solo songs that I didn't really know or anything, and it was, like, whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, he's but, not a great singer, really. Yeah, yeah, it was just, like, whatever, <laughs> but you know what, you know, and then, then Iron Maiden, dude, like, the theatrics, you know, and I do like Iron Maiden, you know, but it was just like I never went and saw him, like, you know. But uh, yeah. every in between every song, the whole set, like, changed. I'm Changes. like, how are yep. these dudes doing this much fucking, dude, that's like, the tour stage we toured on. Yep. Fuck that's you. the tour we toured on. And I'll tell you what's even more amazing is being backstage and watching that happen. Oh, like, yeah. they have a crew that they hire. Their crew, their regular crew is about 100 people. It's got to be, yeah. So you have, you have like a city of people back there and it was crazy to see like when that shit's popping off, like you can't go near the stage, but you, we can be around it and watch. And I wouldn't even watch the band some nights. I would just stand backstage and watch the crew prepare shit Dude. and like move shit. And like, they're like, they're like on they're synced up. They don't even have to talk. Sometimes they just all know what to do. It's muscle memory. You got guys who have been working for them for 30 something years, 35 years, like yeah. crazy shit. And the most insane shit is, <clears throat> these dudes are so nice when you walk. So we've done tons of tours and you know, we've toured with some bigger bands and like the crew suck. Some people just suck. They treat you like shit. They're like, Oh, the opening band, fuck these people. Yeah. Never got that from Iron Maiden. Total like gentlemen, their crew are nice. They were, some of their assistants remembered our names from day two. Like, well, good morning, Jesse. How are you? I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. really nice people. And every single night, those motherfuckers, performed like it was their last show yeah it was so fucking inspiring to see these dudes and backstage like you're wondering you're looking damn they look old i wonder if they're gonna be able to pull this shit off killed it and bruce was all over the place like a madman yeah yeah and it's yeah. that same thing like the rolling stones they make good money but they're spending so much fucking money on their live show it's commendable because you could easily just talk about a cash grab you could easily just like grab everyone's money and put on a decent show and people will be somewhat happy, but yeah. Iron Maiden takes the money that you pay them and they put it right back into their production and it's fucking mind blowing. And that's what that a lot shit. of people I don't think understand is how like some of these concert tickets are crazy, but you know, well, one, the production costs a lot of money to put on these big shows, but two, they yeah. don't realize how much these venues are taken and, you know, like and venues are taking part of merch now and crazy yeah. shit. Yeah, like, no, we, we say that shit all the time because people are constantly like, oh, Kill Switch is rich and we just laugh. We're like, <laughs> you have no fucking idea. And, you know, first of all, what you gross on a tour, cut that in half because the government's taking that shit right out of your pocket. Yeah. Like, I'm shocked. And I, I still owe the IRS money right now. I'm still on their fucking shit list. Um, because we travel so much and we have to pay taxes everywhere. Sure. And then you got your crew, then you got your management, all these people that have their hands in your pocket. At the end of the day, man, like 
we are like just above blue collar status. Like we don't make a ton of money, but we still put on the best show we possibly can for what we get paid for. Yeah, and, and that's the whole point of it. It's like try to put on a good show. Don't bitch about a $25, 30 ticket. We're going to give you what you asked for, and you're helping to keep our career going. It's, it's reciprocation. If you're not giving out what you get, then then call it a day. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm proud to say that when I get on stage, I put fucking everything I got out there when sure, I got on that yeah. stage. And I then, never phone that shit in. And they act like that $25 is going right into your pocket. It's like, you know, you got to pay. Hell no. <laughs> you I'd probably be like 50 cents. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, dude. Like, especially like you got to pay your crew. You got to pay all the production people. You got to pay for just fuel getting from city to city with these Yo, trucks with yeah, all the shit yeah, in it, dude. when the shit was, was $4 expensive. a gallon, gallon dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, fuck that shit. Yep. No, people don't understand that shit. And that's why I get, it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes people approach me like, you're a rich rock star. I'm like, I you wish. have no idea what the <laughs> fuck you're saying. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, right. I don't even have a car anymore. I can't afford it, bitch. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is like you're making your own way through life and you're doing what you love. So to me, that's like utmost respect, dude. Like you're, you're, you're you know, it's, it, it, it isn't as glamorous as everyone likes to make it out to be, but you're doing it because you love it. Like, you know, you can, no, you could be doing something life. else. Yeah, but it's the pirate life. People don't understand that aspect of it. Like waking up in a new city every day and like looking out the, there are moments that I literally am like, fuck, this shit is amazing. And yeah. a lot of the times it's like, I'll never forget, for for example, one story. Um, we had an overnight drive. We had because up in northern um, Europe, like we drive long distances to get to the cities, and sometimes have to take a ferry in the middle of the night. Like we're not just going from city to city a couple hours away. You're talking about a fucking full on adventure. Sure. And we are going through Lapland, like northern Europe, during um, the summer, late summer, where it doesn't get totally dark. So it's just this fucking magical view of mountains and like streams and. We're listening to really good music, sipping on some good whiskey and having a good time. And me and my boy Josh are like talking about like folklore because we're in the area where like people talk about like trolls and like crazy shit like that. And looking out on this like Lord of the Rings landscape because our touring bus in Europe, which we don't own them, we just lease them. They have the front lounge, which is in the front of the bus. And it's a huge glass window. And you can just sit there and chill on the couch and watch the bus drive fucking magic dude and i was yeah. like my life fucking rules right now and it was like three in the morning and we pulled over on the rest stop because the driver needed to take a break we get out and there are shrines to fucking trolls as far as you can see it's like all the way down around this whole area where people with like eyewitness accounts and they're talking about trolls and there's statues erected to them and there's little baskets with food so literally people are saying this is where the trolls come through and they live up here and me and him were just like, who the fuck gets to do this kind of yeah, shit? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. fucking nuts. We're I in the know. middle of like Northern Europe where the sun hasn't really gone down. It just kind of kisses the horizon line. We're surrounded by waterfalls and like epic landscape and like looking at these monuments to the troll people that they say they swear they exist up there. And I was like, I fucking love my life. I don't give a fuck yeah, if yeah. I, I'm behind on my bills or something's going on. I love this shit. I wouldn't trade it for the world. No, fuck yeah, man. But, you know, but that's, and that's the high, but like people don't see the lows of it either, you know? And I'm, and you know, there's, there's two sides to every coin. Like when it's shitty, it's really fucking shitty too. Like, you know, and I'm, yeah, I'm I think sure. the worst of it is just missing birthdays and anniversaries yeah. and holidays and, that shit's hard and it gets harder as I get older. Like even like holidays that I never really cared too much about, like even just Easter, like my, all my family's getting together and they're sending me pictures and I'm like 
in the middle of Germany somewhere at a shitty hotel. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That shit is, it can be hard, but you just have to remind yourself, you know, when it's good, it's good. And the whole mentality of like, when I do get home and I do spend time with family, I try to make it as magical as possible to sort sure. of make up for the fact that I missed all that stuff. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I'm lucky to still be doing that at my age and I got to count my blessings. Fuck yeah, as hard man. as it can be, it's fucking amazing as well. I know, yeah, and it's like I always feel, dude, like because because I've I've I you know I've never been in a like a touring band because like ITI, like I said, we were literally knuckleheads and like you know shit would happen and we couldn't we couldn't do shows or like Keith would be in jail or just fucking crazy shit would happen <laughs> and, and then fucking fucking uh but like with like War Machine, it's just like we've get offered shows, but it's hard to do because like AF has been so busy and whatever, yep. but like. Like when I went out, like I went out with Ian and like Blood for Blood for a couple of weeks a few years ago. Well, that's like five years ago now, like to Europe. And I was like, fuck, I should have really just stuck with this shit, dude. Like I'm like road dude. Like, like I'm like, I was like, this is like what I was supposed to do. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I didn't, you know, but like whatever. But like being on the road, dude, is like even the shit end of it. Like you can find humor in that shit sometimes. You know what I mean? You have to. You have yeah. to find humor. That's. That's the majority, and that's why, like, it's funny when you're on the road, like, laughter is everything. That's why we get, in, like, really into stand-up comedians. Like, com stand-up comedians are, like, lifesavers for us out there, and then just being stupid. Yeah. That's why a lot of bands just get drunk and do stupid shit, because you just, yeah. when shit's bad, that's all you got laughter. You <laughs> yeah, make yeah. a joke out of it. Sure, and you just get shitty and do dumb shit, like, because it's funny. Yeah, right? that's pretty much <laughs> it, too. But yeah, dude. Which is why we're perpetual children. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, you know, and that's the same thing. Me, like a bike shop and a tattoo shop. I'm still like a fucking 18 year old. Yeah, you know it's, what it's I mean? a lifestyle. Yeah. Man. It's, I feel like it's the same with bartenders, kitchen staff. Yeah, fuck you yeah. Know, like I said, comedians. It's a, it's a certain type of person. We don't fit in with society and we never will. So the best thing to do is just band together and, and do all this, the jobs yeah. that nobody else wants to do or do the hours that nobody else wants to do. It's basically being like make the best of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, 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 the modern equivalent to a traveling like carnival show, dude. You know what I mean? Like yep. you get, we're all and, and carnies, dude. Upon. <laughs> it's nothing different now. You know, people always talk about, uh, you know, again, the whole rock star thing, but in, in reality, music is like the lowest rung of entertainment. Like, you know, you know, new movie stars and movies are protected. Um, you know, uh, certain things that protect my music they just give it away now people don't give a fuck about it we've always been the lower rung so like yeah. entertainers in general there's a certain magic to our lifestyle but it takes a certain type of person to do it you gotta be you gotta, you gotta be a lifer you gotta be crazy you gotta like accept the fact that shit's gonna be fucked yeah but the payout to me is perfect because i can't imagine living any other life i can't sure so i mean that's gonna be a thing for you guys with kill switch like um you know like going from a time like where you guys were still like in the last rung of when people still actually bought like records or CDs and yeah. shit like yep. to, to now everything's digital and basically you're giving your music away for the most part. And you're, you're only making money when you're on the road from, from, from touring, you know, yeah. and, and That's, you are absolutely right. That's why right now is the craziest fucking time we've ever been through. All of us were like, God damn, what do we do? And the essence of it is a band becomes a traveling t-shirt salesman that's what we are i mean our real money is made off a of t-shirt so that's the stuff that we don't have to worry about splitting with everybody so like when you buy a shirt at a show that's huge for a band like that's huge for us so we're always trying to like pimp out merch because it helps yeah. Well, royalties yeah back in the day i mean i definitely got bigger checks but 
the guys who were in the band when I quit is when the band blew the fuck up and they still get those royalties from like the end of heartache, which was the album after I left. And that shit was like big time. And those motherfuckers still see that stuff. I don't get a cut of that stuff, but I still get decent royalties. But back then, yo, I remember getting my first royalty for like 12 G's when <laughs> I was young and I was like, Holy shit, I'm rich. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, that shit does not happen anymore. But thankfully I make just, just enough where my bills, my basic basic bills are paid for from royalties. So like I've had to really simplify my life during this quarantine thing, but I haven't had to worry about food on my table. So I count sure. my blessings for that. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. And and you know, hopefully all we can do is hope that this shit fucking I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on, like, you know, like, you're, you're in the industry here, like, like, you you have any murmurs of, like, like, I, I think, I you know, I pretty much probably know the answer to this, but just out of curiosity, like, like when things are going to kind of, like, did you cancel, did you guys cancel, like, a whole year? Like, I know some bands aren't even booking until 2021 now and stuff, like. Yeah. So initially, yeah, we had to cancel our U.S. tour. And then we were actually going to go back out with Iron Maiden to Australia and New Zealand. And that was the big one we had to cancel because we already purchased our flight, cheap flights that are non-refundable. We already shelled out a bunch of money because certain tours, certain bands will pay for certain things. And certain tours, certain bands won't pay for certain things. Iron Maiden is a behemoth, you know? Like, they paid us decent. They definitely paid us decent. But they're not going to pay for our flights. They're not going to pay for any of that bullshit. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we took a huge hit when that shit got canceled and our accountants like, fuck, what do we do? But, and that's, so, that's something people need to understand. Cause you're not just paying for like five flights for like band members. You got to pay for flights for all your crew, for every, you know, all the craziness, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's yep, more yep, to it, it than people see. Yeah. And then hotel prices. I mean, there's so much that goes into it that would make your head spin. And like, that's the business side of it that I never understood until I got into kill switch and it was actually getting like, quarterly reports and i was like fuck i'm a businessman now this is crazy <laughs> because there's so much money involved and so much ins and outs and yeah i mean that's the thing too like people will never understand that and it's really not our job to sit and explain that because no, people no. give a fuck about sure. is if they go to a show and they have a good time absolutely but um that's you know that's the stressful end of it but ah, it is what it is and i feel like for us we're just taking the good and the bad and rolling with it. And yeah, right now, as it stands right now, the, our hope, because we've gotten offers, is a festival season in Europe in June 2021. We've confirmed stuff, but um, that's the most recent. Uh, other than that, we've got nothing going on. We might write some music and find other ways to make money. But um, yeah, everything's our, our wheels are not hitting the ground till June of two, 2021. And that's if that's if everything goes right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy. So I'm, I'm definitely like, I, I'm not going to lie. I definitely get a little bit of stress and anxiety about that shit. But, um, sure. Yeah. I just try to keep, try to keep that PMA and, and try to like do other things to supplement my income and trying to think outside the box. And, um, um, you know, I've been DJing for many, many years. So I'm trying to get some DJ gigs when, when things start popping, but all my skills, everything that I do is based upon people gathering with other people. That's my whole entire life, whether it's bartending, all this job that I've ever done and all the shit that I have skills in have to do with people being around other people. So 
it's yeah. pretty fucked right now. No, it's like <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. And and you know, we were talking earlier before before we even started recording. Like, you know, it's just as hard for all like the people that were like a professional like road crew people or or like people that are booking agents. What the fuck are they doing? They can't book shit right now. You know, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, people who are booking agents make a lot of money though, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of them. Some of those cricket motherfuckers make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, they can, they can live for a little while. I'm talking about like the punk rock bookers and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm yeah, playing to a lot of the bigger books too, but yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough. What do you do? What yeah. can you do? Everything from your I, local. I've turned to online, you know, there's stuff to do online to make money, but you just have to swallow your pride and figure out what works for you and what doesn't. I've started to do this cameo thing where I just tell people happy birthday and get paid for it. And I, it took me a little while to convince me. My girlfriend's like, you've got to do it. Come on, man. You have enough fans. And I'm like, I don't know. That's just whack. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then I finally get the bullet and started doing it. I was like, yo, okay. Okay. I can I can definitely pay some grocery shopping bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more, hap- more importantly, you're making some fucking person happy. Like, they're stoked that they got a fucking message from you, you know? Yeah, no doubt. That's definitely the upside of it. But it t- took me a little while to, like, Again, the whole mentality of like that's just mad corny. Yeah, I'm yeah, never gonna do that shit. No, <laughs> but here I am doing it, and actually, there's a part of me that I like it because it, it it helps me feel connected to somebody, and knowing that I am making somebody happy by just talking to into my phone to them, it's just crazy. But that's the time we live, and you have to adapt. You have to find your hustle and and listen to good advice and, and just push forward. And I think that goes for anybody. You got to find the angles and work them. Yeah, hey, fuck yeah. Uh, I I uh I first heard a cameo not too long ago because you remember Shane Mackey? Of course I remember. Yeah, him. of I course. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah, he's still one of my favorite human beings. Yeah, he's yeah. Crazy. He's always been crazy. Love that dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, uh, my fr- a friend Jim was getting him one from like some old wrestler or something. I was looking into all these wrestlers yeah. to do one to do one of those cameo things for him, dude, for yeah, for his birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of weird, like crazy, weird, like B and C celebrities. You get like. Yo, anything from like David Hasselhoff to like, they're all on there. If you go on the app and check it out, you'd be surprised what the fuck you can do. Yeah. And uh, some of them are not that expensive. <laughs> yeah. Like 15, 20 bucks. And then other ones who take themselves mad seriously are like three, four hundred bucks for that shit. But uh, yeah, that's cool. I'm, my price is at 45 right now. <laughs> working for that. I, I signed it's up. Not, I was shooting <laughs> mad funny, but it, it works. It works. Fuck I, it. Yeah, fuck yeah. I signed up for it. They wanted me to pay people to be able to do a message. <laughs> just, I'm just fucking around. Um, oh. I'm just fucking around. Yeah. I like, like I was like in the negative. Show. Like it was like, like, like yeah. I'll pay you $5 so I can record a message yeah. for your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but, but dude, yeah, I, I, this, you know, like the child in me, there's so many fucking opportunities there to like, like, I, I is David Hasselhoff yeah, one of the expensive horror, ones? Yeah, there's people from horror movies and shit, old school horror movies. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All that shit. Yeah, yeah. go on the app and look. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> you could fuck somebody up for their birthday and be like, what the fuck, Freddy Krueger? That's crazy. I don't know if he's <laughs> on there, but I'm just saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anybody well, yeah, you're so looking it works. for. That's, like, that's kind of the new, the new thing, man. And it's funny to me, too, because the guy, the president, the owner of the company reached out to me. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm like, all right, I guess I should do it then. Yeah. This dude thinks I can do it. And then I realized how much money's in it, and like that dude makes mad bank off people too. He's a smart dude. That yeah, dude yeah. Started it. 
He's rolling in money. Sure, I know because I see how much I pay him. Yeah, he's getting his cut of everybody, you know. Uh, he sure is. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> nerdy motherfucker. That dude, hey, hey, like that's the thing, man. Like when we were kids, you know, it was like, you know, whatever, like, you know, different people were, were in charge. Like the nerds have taken over. Dude. Like smart kids, smart people, like yep. They're the fucking new rock stars, dude. Like, you know, like people that make yeah, video no games. Doubt. Fuck, dude. Like people wait in line for like days for like a new video game and shit, dude. That shit's yep. fucking bananas, bro. Like, yeah. And over in like uh, Korea, <clears throat> they got stadiums filled with people cheering on kids playing video games. That shit is real. And like they make millions of dollars with that shit. And it's those crazy. are the dudes that would just be sitting in their bedroom you know, drinking energy drink and eating pizza rolls with their mom in the background playing video games and not again paid out the frame for it. So yeah, you never know that motherfucker you used to make fun of in high school is gonna be your boss or our rich yeah, boss yeah, yeah, yeah. someday. Yeah. True. It's so it's so funny how that works. Fuck yeah. Well hey, fucking here's the lesson, man. Just be fucking cool. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Treat people with if you've got a good heart and you treat people good, you're gonna be all right. I mean if you fall on your ass, somebody's gonna help you up. Yeah, that's karma. That's the basic rule I try to live by is like, you know, treat people how I want to be treated. And I think that it's funny, too, because that sounds so simple, right? It's not. But it's one of the hardest things to do. And our society is so fucking broken because people can't do that shit. That's why we have so many problems in this world. That's why everything's so fucking corrupt, because people just don't treat each other good. And it blows my mind. Why is that so fucking hard to just treat somebody all right? Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah. No, go ahead. No, absolutely. That's why I get so pissed when I see everyone arguing about shit that was like, dude, so purposely put out there to be divisive. And it's like, yeah, why are you falling into these lady. traps? Why are you falling into these traps? Like, you know, like there's people like fuck every Trump supporter, kill every Trump supporter. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? That dude's still your neighbor, man. You know what I mean? Like yep. fucking find some common ground. There's probably more common ground than you fucking know because you're only listening to one fucking partisan controlled fucking media outlet. And yeah. you're only you're on Instagram or Facebook now where the only people that you're you're like, uh. Uh, uh, communicating with are people that have the exact same fucking background as you or the thoughts as you. So you're not communicating with people that don't think the same way as you anymore. So you don't even know how to anymore because like you have a big squad of 500 cheerleaders in your fucking young Republicans group or your, your your democratic, whatever group or whatever. And uh, you know, like people need to just be reaching out more and finding the common ground and then really looking at why all this shit is fucking happening right now. Because I try not to think this way, but there's no way to think that there isn't something bigger going on there's not there's got to be a bigger agenda going on that's keeping people so divided and distracted Yo, absolutely and people make fun of people for questioning and call it conspiracy theorists but like half of the shit that was called conspiracy back in the day came true so guess what like and here's the thing too and first of all good points and i think that's solid i think a lot more people need to talk about that you need to have some kind of a discourse an actual discussion with people because your worldview could change from a phrase that somebody says that'll blow your fucking mind. Like, yo, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's why you can't be on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence. You got to like look at both sides, compare and contrast and think for yourself. Stop swallowing the propaganda that's fed to you through media or through, you know, somebody that raised you that taught you to be this way. Like, fuck all that noise. I'm so yeah. tired of it. You're right. I forgot where I was going to go with my next point, but like just staying on that one right there, man, like, wake the fuck up. Like, and when shit hits the fan, here's my thing too. 
if we actually do, which I don't know if this country will, because we're so divided, actually has a revolution, the people that you are making fun of that have guns and like are hoarding and getting ready for the end of the world, like the people that you may make fun of, they may save your ass. Your neighbor that you think is crazy gun toting, whatever the fuck, he may have a really good heart and he may protect your neck when shit goes down. So like people who are like so anti this or anti that, you've got to weigh your pros and cons. You got to get to the heart of the matter and figure out who people actually are, not the political things that they stand upon. Because a lot of times the political things they stand upon, they don't even fully understand. Yeah, and it's just so much debate about like right and left, and it's based on religion. It's based on your cl- social class, where you come from. Take away all that bullshit. Get down to brass tacks and ask yourself what is wrong and what is right. And that's my thing. Is like we need to fight for what's right. It doesn't matter what side of the spectrum it's on. It doesn't matter. All that bullshit is it's just a distraction. And yes, the point I was going to make before I'm coming back to it. Yes, there obviously is something bigger going on because our government has never been forthcoming with us. They've never told us the truth. We've been lied to since day one, since we came over here and slaughtered a bunch of Indians. Like, don't get me started. We are constantly being lied to. So anyone who's like, and again, I love the term, anyone who's licking the boots of the government and like standing behind everything and saying, this is our country, I'm patriotic, I'm this, I'm that, wake the fuck up because Everything you're standing upon, there's so many lies and so much deception. There's no solid foundation to stand upon. Your foundation needs to be continually moving. You need to be like a tree in the breeze, as the old Chinese uh, wisdom used to say. Bend with the wind. Don't stand against it and be firm. You have to be pliable in order to understand that, you know, things are going to change. Your mind is going to change. People can change. And with that change, you can create like a revolutionary thought. You can stand against the oppression. But if we're divided and we're constantly bickering, these people have free reign to do whatever the fuck they want to do because we're not paying attention whatsoever. And I know for a fact that shit is going on right now. Some of the craziest laws and these weird things, they've been taking away our rights like a motherfucker since 9-11. And and guess what? Motherfuckers like Democrats and Republicans both sign that shit. So like nobody, nobody, nobody is like fucking free from that shit. And everyone's like, well, the Democrats are more concerned with with us than the Republicans. No, they're not. You know what I mean? They, they, they're all, it's all fucking lip service, dude. Like I don't, I haven't seen my life improve under either fucking regime, dude. Nah, because it doesn't. The same, yo, here it is. It's just, you get a different show. That's all it is. It is. It's just a different puppet with a different show. And look, Obama made us all feel good and fuzzy. He was a great speaker. He was handsome. He had his way about him. But underneath his... He was way more way more oh, diplomatic. Yeah. Way more diplomatic. Way more... Way more of a, of, a, of a... Not a politician, but like a statesman. Yeah, for sure. But he dropped and more he was, bombs than any just, pr- president in U.S. history before. <laughs> it's still got a Nobel yeah. Peace Prize. What the fuck is that? Uh-huh. <laughs> But, you know, he was the act, he was the opening act, and then sure. Donald Trump was the, the fucking, the headliner for the apocalypse or whatever I know, dude. going on. But, dude, you know but what scares me even all, more? Man. I, don't, yeah. I don't fucking suck on anyone's dick. I never no, have cared no. about any of that shit. I, but, but, and, again, that goes back to being who we are in our culture, and I stand by that, man. I'm going to be like that way for the rest of my life because I don't buy into Absolutely, dude. Period. 
to fucking go live in the woods and get back into nature and go fucking hang out. And then you really see shit for what it is, dude. I don't know. I don't know what it is, dude, about being kind of removed from the fucking craziness of a city, dude. Like you just see things way more, way more clearer, dude, you know? 100%, man. And also like I've met people out here that I quote unquote may not have associated with my younger life. And it's some of the most generous kind of other people. They may have a different point of view about certain things. But honestly, man, at the end of the day, if you're a good person, you're a good person. Yep. And sometimes having a calm conversation about your differences, even if the end of the conversation, you don't agree. Yeah. I had a conversation recently with some dude, and this has been a huge fucking issue with a lot of people. And if you just took a moment to talk about it plainly, people may understand. So I got in the middle of a conversation. I was coming out of, I was kayaking, coming out of the, the, the water with my kayak, and there were two people like, 40 feet away from their cars having this discussion. And I heard this dude say, I'm tired of hearing Black Lives Matter, like all lives matter. You know, that's like a real hot button issue with a lot of people. Sure. And I'm so tired of hearing about this and that and this and that. And I said to the dude, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't hold my tongue. I got to be real with you. I get why you say all lives matter. And yes, technically, they all definitely do. The point right now and what we're going through right now is the fact that Black lives right now in this moment in history need to be elevated for just a little while to maybe wake up people and change some things in the system so that all lives can matter. And I was real calm about it, and we got into a discourse about it, and he said his side, I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I believe we should all be equal. We should all have equal rights. That's not the point. And I actually made him think. This old rednecky dude was like, that's a good point. I don't remember everything I said. But I was like, just consider the fact that these guys have been socially conditioned to live a certain way. And he came back with his point. I heard him out. I was like, but came back as I've actually lived in the ghetto. My neighbors were constantly being harassed. This does happen. This is an actual fact. These people aren't just coming out of nowhere saying we're being harassed, we're being killed. And sure, the media hyped it up and, and, and got us all in a frenzy and we all had stuff to argue about. But facts is fact. Yeah. And have that simple, calm conversation with this guy, we both walked away with something. And sure. it was a nice thing to have. And at the end of it, it was like, oh, agree to disagree, but thank you for speaking. I was able to gain something from it. And it was cool like, to have that because I don't see that happening. I just it, see people bugging the fuck out. And like you said, blocking people and being like, fuck you, you don't believe what I say. So you're constantly being surrounded by People who believe the same thing, you're constantly preaching to the choir, and then it becomes you Teams. are just, you, you all you're doing is trying to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. go on the internet and you say, This is how I feel, and everyone's like, Yeah, pat you on the back, and you're like, All right, cool, I did my part for society. Today. Yeah, you get that little so endorphin rush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do shit. You had somebody tell you that, Yo, yeah, I agree with you. Cool. That's not going to help the struggle. That's not going to change shit. Everyone, oh. you just said that you agree with you. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and it's true. And it's like, you know, people lost the art of just being able to talk to each other because they're just, and then, you know, online you can be an anonymous and just say whatever the fuck you want. And with, there's no repercussions. You know what I mean? Uh, and, that's a big one. Too, for yeah. Me. That, that whole, like, say that shit to my face. And most, most motherfuckers do not do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm sure you deal with, with a lot of that type of shit, but you know, it's like, it's crazy, man. Like, people 
when they can be high, when they can hide, there's like just a general like lack of respect that people have for somebody, um, and and when there's no repercussions to whatever they're saying. So it's like, you know, I I try not even to engage online with anything, dude. Nah. Like I'll, I'll post some shit, and I I don't even log into Facebook. Like I like post it on Instagram and then like tag it into Facebook too. Like honestly, if I go to Facebook, it's just to go to Marketplace to look for old bikes and shit. You know? What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't even do Facebook anymore. I had to. Get off that oh it's horrible enough. dude yeah it's fucking horrible but like the thing you know it's just you know this whole like fucking cancel culture shut you up you don't agree with me like you shouldn't even have a voice like dude that's like you know like that's dangerous that's ground dangerous. it's dangerous that's ground. Dangerous. you're like they, you yeah, need to have discourse back in the days in the 40s that yeah. things should happen yeah and it's weird fuck when that. it comes from the quote-unquote left you know what i mean i'm like dude like what the fuck the extremists like, on either side are dangerous Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole, like, don't offend me. Like, sometimes you need to be offended so you think about shit. Absolutely. And, like, look, I get it. There are times where I don't even want to fucking hear somebody say something different. But nine times out of ten when I feel that way, I don't say shit. I let people talk their shit. I'm like, all right, I'm going to peace out. I'm not even going to be a yeah. part of this because yeah. I know I'm going to speak out of a place of anger and it's not going to help anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you no. have to know when to fucking fold them, know when to hold them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a, get a, what, what would Kenny Rogers do right now? <laughs> exactly. So, but, like for me, I've turned I've turned my anger into my music, and like you know, recently I came out with a song with Rob Flynn from Machine Head, "Stop the Bleeding," and it was a quote unquote controversial song for some people because it had images of police brutality and people standing in solidarity, taking a knee, which is another weird issue that gets people pissed off. But the basic general statement of the song is called stop the bleeding and we're talking about how this shit needs to stop and we need to unify and come together as a people and the amount of like pushback that i saw from that kind of blew my mind a little bit because mm. i'm like essentially we're saying that we need to like unify and put an end to those violence and put an end to it like and be better and j people went off on these tire tirades of like crazy shit and I remember reading through some of it, me and my girl, and she's like, where did they even come up with this shit? Like, yeah. this has nothing to do. Like, people are so ready to react with their agenda and with the, what they want to say and whatever chip on their shoulder they have. They're not even paying attention to what you're saying. If it isn't in line with what you're saying, they're going to fucking bug the fuck out. Yeah, and no, it's true. you either have fun with that shit, you can engage those people, or just ignore them. And you have to pick your battles. And I definitely chose to let the song speak for itself and Absolutely, i just stopped yes. fucking answering people yeah it's tough man because you get, once you start engaging it's it, i feel like it opens like this wormhole up like of like where everyone just now feels entitled to come at you and you know, it's like i don't mm. i'm not gonna deal with that shit man like you know and i tell people even in the past like i've had people talk shit to me and i'm like hey i'm gonna be in your town on such and such a date i'm easy to find come talk to me yeah and you know what Nine times out of ten, nine, 99% of the time, they're not there. Yeah, Although, sure. one time, one time, <laughs> some dude actually showed up and said, hey, remember me? And I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember you. What the fuck did you have to say? And you know what it turned into? This dude totally turned around and was like, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I was like, dude, the whole, even his body language just like turned. Cause I didn't back down. I was like, what? Say it say what the fuck you said online yeah, and yeah. he ended up buying me a beer and we chatted and it was just a couple of years ago and i was like oh shit so that's funny i called him out and he actually showed up <laughs> hey you know what give him to give it to him for i that. gave him mad props for that i was like yeah. you know good on you i know that you fucking 
said you're sorry and all that. But the fact that you showed face, I fucking respect the shit out of that. Absolutely, man. Hey, and you know, you know what? One other thing. Uh, I'm not bringing this up to embarrass you, but it's just as a point of like when I knew you were like a real dude is like when you I know you know what I'm about to bring up, but you might not. But you'll know in a second. Fucking like there was a point in life where like, you know, you you had music going on and it started doing well. And then you got a you got a part in a movie. And then like, Hell yeah. <laughs> and for the, for motherfuckers that don't know, I can't remember the name of your character, but you played one of like the main characters in the movie Outside Providence, which was a Farrelly Brothers movie, and you were like co-starring with like Amy Smart and like people that were like real actors. Yeah, like, I wouldn't say a main character, but yeah. Well, you <laughs> were like you were like you weren't like a you weren't like a like a um what do they call them? Like not a stand-in, a, like an extra. Yeah, you, you I, had, had, you, I had a, I had a bit part. I got to speak at least, you know. Yeah, you had a speak and roll on it. Like it wasn't like, yeah. yeah, you weren't one of the main two characters, but you were like one of the like the main like you were in the crew yeah, of the main the characters. Stoner dudes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I remember you saying like, yeah, man, you know, like I could do like fuck it, I just want to do music. I remember this from back then, you know what I mean? And it was like, so whatever, yep. like whatever. What was the story with that? Like what happened with that? Like afterwards, did you get more offers? And you were, like that's when Killswitch which was just was just kind of rolling right like that was right before kill switch right actually. before okay a, yeah yeah i um i was in a weird band a weird fucking strange band called nothing stays gold at the time and uh yeah i had big aspirations man i really wanted to be a quote-unquote rock star at that time that's actually when i started to like i wanted to be bigger i looked at a band like kilgore from our area and i was like yo i want to do what those dudes are doing that's fucking cool what they're doing yeah. Um, yeah. So I did the movie, and it was fun. It was great, but it doing movies is so different than doing music. There's a lot of control. There's a lot of doing what you're told. There's a lot of hurry up and wait. And I just, as much as it was a great experience, just bummed me the fuck out. And I did have an opportunity to, you know, because I had enough screen time where I could, you know, become a union member and get representation and get an agent. So all that shit was definitely there for me. And I, yeah. I, for better or for worse, said no, because I was sticking to my guns. I was like, music is it for me. It's my way to express myself. Yeah. And yeah, it took me a while. I did find some success, but it was not an easy road. And there are definitely moments in my life where I look back and I'm like, fuck, I probably should have done a movie after <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, and even now, like, I would love to do a movie now that I'm older and wiser. I would love to, because I can definitely act. Acting was my first shit. Like, I got my start in acting when I was really young. Okay. I used to do, like, yeah, I used to do like theater and shit when I was really young. I used to love that shit. And then through theater, like the theater crew in high school, which people laugh, but like most of the dudes in theater when I was going there were punks. They were fucking weird punks that we knew we could smoke weed and, and act up and be stupid. And like, it was like an easy grade. Sure, and yeah. I met a lot of my dear friends from like that, but I, I loved acting. You do like children's plays and we'd get out of classes and like go act for kids. Like it's mad fun. It was just fun. So acting is in my blood. I love it. I've been doing it since I was a kid. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yo, I would love to do another movie, but I want to be like a crazy character. I want to be like a murderer or like a serial killer. Yeah. So I think I'd be good at that too. <laughs> Dude, uh, my boy Slane got to do that. He was in one called uh, Girl School or Girl House or something like that. And he played like, 
he played like the uh, the main like murderer character. It was wicked funny, man. Like, cause it's so I'm down it's, with that. It's my homeboy, so just to see him, cause I was like a big horror fan when I was a kid. So to see him in, in that role, I was like, damn, dude, it's like funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, I dude, when I was a kid, I was so into horror. I'd go to New York to go to like the Fangoria like horror conventions yeah. and shit, like in like the late oh. '80s and shit, you know. And it was like I met like Gunnar Hansen and all the like the dudes that played like like Jason and fucking you know uh, Leatherface and all that shit. And, Hell yeah. And, and so it's just that. funny, yeah. It's just funny that like he got to like be in a horror movie and be like the main like murderer dude. Like that's like that'd be a fun shit, to, fun fucking thing to do, you know, for sure. Oh my god, imagine? Yeah, just channel that inner psycho. You need to do that. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, man. But uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. Like I'm, I made the right decision for sure. But now that I'm older, I would love to get back in there. Even if it's like a bit part somewhere, I'd love to do that shit. But who knows? You never know. You yeah, never fucking you, know. You should have stuck with <laughs> Farley Brothers back then, man, because that was like kind of their f- not probably not their first joint, but that was like one of their early movies, and they blew up right after that with us. Something about Mary. Yeah, well, and all the cool that. thing about it is I still know those dudes. Uh, my uncle, who actually directed that movie. Is like homies with those guys. Okay. So they're still they're still a phone call away. I could still <laughs> yeah. Do we got if I but I'd rather earn it. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, like yeah, yo. Yeah. No, yeah, I, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm but, I'm a, I'm an open book at this point in my life, especially now. Give me work, I'll fucking do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking you know fucking get on cameo fucking buy some kill switch engage fucking merch buy a weapon fucking yeah. some <laughs> weapon fun. fucking merch For like real. fucking. Fucking, you know, and that's the thing. I, I, it's like a theme going through this because, like, most of the people on this podcast so far are either musicians or like motorcycle guys. You know, like, um, I plan on having some like, I got some cool people like lined up, like to come in, like that. That's kind of more on the weird end of things, like some like people that are like, you know, paranormal investigators and just shit oh, like yeah. that. You know, just to kind of like mix it up a little bit. But um, I love that shit. Oh fuck I yeah! I love dude. paranormal and like I'm like a massive fan of the Sasquatch uh, podcast. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, that that's why you must have been fucking like totally like fucking going crazy with that troll shit because it's like like a northern European version of like Sasquatch or something like Yeah. No, you know, not yeah. not the same thing, but just, you know, like kind of like the same like uh elements really around it. Of, yeah, there's a word for it. I'm tip my tongue. Ah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Crypto cryptozoology. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I'm so about that shit. Especially as I've traveled the world and you speak to people, and there's so many different eyewitness accounts, and so many like, yo, it's crazy. I'm so fascinated with all this shit. I love it. And now that I live in the Catskill Mountains, I love it even more because, uh, I mean, we could talk for hours about this, but I've had some crazy shit happen to me too over the years. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I love all that shit, man. When so I get cool. when I get all the fucking paranormal stuff in, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get you on just about that stuff. Like, but like that's why I'm so enamored with living right down the road from the Freetown free Forest. That's part of the whole Bridgewater Triangle thing. Dude, and, I was just literally you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> you are near the Bridgewater Triangle, and some fucking weird shit's happening over there. I'm fucking in that shit, dude. In it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole special on that shit on. Uh, I think it's on Amazon. Yeah, there was that, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. I was like, I was literally talking like Rehoboth. I'm like, Rehoboth has got some fucking crazy shit. Oh yeah, yeah, that, and that's just like the town. Over, man. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, um, I got into that a little bit with uh, Joe from Battle Ruins when he was on, and then like I got a guy coming in like sooner or later. Like he's he's agreed to do it. We just uh, Chris Pittman. He was one of the guys on that. Um, 
on that uh, Bridgewater Triangle documentary, and I think he was on like the first season or two of that Ancient Alien show. Um, I got oh, him. I love that show. I, I've seen every episode. <laughs> love that shit. Yeah, dude. For real, like I'm fascinated by all that stuff because it's all those things that you don't know that we just don't. Because humans are stupid. We're dumb, and our history has been spoon fed to us. So when I see like alternative ideas, even if they're far fetched and they make me chuckle, it still makes me think, and sure. I feel like. I, I think a lot of that shit is definitely got to be real. Because how do we know? It's been, we've been, history has been so manipulated. It's yeah. ridiculous because of political stuff. I mean, sure. that's a whole rabbit hole to go down, but I love all that shit. So, yeah, definitely get more dudes like that. That's, I, I, I do that one. It's cool to, like, step outside your comfort zone, too, as, as a podcaster. Yeah. Again, well, it's just, you know, it gives you something more interesting to talk about and you're going to hear different stories that'll be way out the fucking frame. I'm, I back that. I can't and, wait for that shit. I want to hear that shit. And just to learn shit, like, you know, like, here's the thing, like, a lot of it so far has been catching up with old friends, um, or, you know, and there's been some where I've talked to people that I didn't know as well, but, you know, for the, for the by and larger, most of the people that have been on so far have been old friends. And, um, but, you know, like, you know, I'm just using it as, you know, I want to branch out, do more, do more like the quote unquote weird shit, like, just because, I don't know, dude, alternative science is fucking interesting to me. I was, you know, I, I was in the sciences for a long time. I was in that anthropology, archaeology realm, and I was in medical and all this. And I worked with WHO and CDC. That's why this whole shit going on with the COVID and the masks and this and that is so fucking weird to me. And it's like, I know what's going on behind the scenes, like how political and bureaucratic these organizations are. And there's just oh, a lot of craziness yeah. going on with all this shit. But like the alternative archaeology and all the weird shit that's out there in the archaeological record that the mainstream archaeologists just choose to ignore because they can't explain it. That and shit's they, fucking silence it too man what's that they silence that shit oh too. They, yeah they dude cover up that's the, shit that, that's the shit that makes me realize that there's so much more than meeting the eye if people are just kind of scoffing at it and laughing at it like whatever but they actively cover up shit oh, i'm like yeah. okay there's something to that shit something i'm going on so fascinated by that shit but yeah man that's how you start a podcast you start within what i would assume would be sort of your comfort zone and you expand it and it's just going to make for uh, a better listen Sure. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, Hell so yeah. so yeah, dude, like, you know, to me that whole ancient alien, I don't know if it's true, but it's just as viable to me as any of the holy books for any of the major religions out there, like or even more viable to me, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, if you look at science, so you're like, yeah, it makes more sense some something came down, fucked around with DNA and made some <laughs> made some shit, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, even like the architecture, and I've seen the shit with my own eyes as I've traveled the world, like architecture that you can't even fucking duplicate today with our technology sure how the fuck did they do that shit thousands and thousands or however long ago it was we don't even know that either I, i'm just i've seen some of that shit with my own eyes and i'm like you put your fingers in some of the crevices on some of those rocks and they're razor sharp still oh, after yeah. all these years like what the fuck you can't even like you'd have to have like crazy tools yeah so like to me there's chunks there's i'm sure there's massive chunks of our history that are missing. And then you look at like ancient cultures, like the Aztec and the Maya, Oh, they disappeared or this and that. It's like, no, there was a cover up there too. And there's a reason for that because we, as a people need to be controlled. And how do we, how are we controlled? If we believe that our government is working for us and has our best interest in mind, we constantly look to our government, please help give us this, give us that. So if you have control of the people, you have the power. And and, and the thing is that we're free thinking and had technology that were way outside of the bounds of what we know now. That shit was suppressed. Like, look at Nikola Tesla. Like, they oh, killed yeah. all the shit. 
because he gave free energy. He's like, oh, this is how we can do it. And, and they're like, and, no, and, fuck you. And the sad thing is, is if you look like one of his last like letters to his mother and stuff was talking about how his whole career, all he was, all he was, was subjected to was like ridicule and you know, just like everyone, like, you know, making fun of him and ridiculing him and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, and now everyone like reveres him. And it's like, dude, when, when he died, so much shit was taken out of the safe. Like, like there's like so much missing shit of his that yeah. like, you know, his journals and shit, like. Just fucking crazy, dude. You know what I mean? But like, the Again, other th- another thing that goes to show you was shit was real because they would like fucking hide and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. And and it's like literally a lot of it was probably all that free energy stuff and his ideas for like mm-hmm. you know. But like you know the shit before us too. The other thing is. Um, not just like the the technical, the, just like the the marvels of the world that like from like past past ages, like the similarities between like when you look at like pyramids in Indonesia, they look a lot like the Mexican fucking pyramids and this and that. So there's a lot of like craziness and it's like, why are all these pyramids like similar? And they're also all along these like certain like geological lines and like all this crazy shit. Like there's a lot of weird shit out there. Take it or leave it, believe it or not. There's, but there's just like a lot of shit that there seems to be too much just to 100% attribute to coincidence. That's, yeah, and you have people that, you know, get uh, all uppity and, like, fucking angry with people who are questioning. And, again, the whole conspiracy theory thing comes up over and over again. And to me, that's all based in fear. It just, yeah. what it is, it's shaking the foundations of what they believe and then what they've been taught in their little safe place. And uh, I've never felt that way. I've always questioned it. And to me, yeah. it's exciting to think that there's more than meets the eye. So I'll be a conspiracy nut sure. for the day I die. I don't give a fuck. I think it just goes all along with just being anti-society and like fucking not wanting to do what I'm told. I think it, it all yeah. runs. It all runs yeah, right, yeah. right in parallel with just it's a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, I'm constantly putting my middle finger up and like fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Whether it's the government, whether it's the scientific fucking yeah. community, or Stop whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, it's just the thing is like, too, is it's like the old saying goes like, I, you know, I love my country, but I fear and hate my government. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. You know what I mean? Like, do I hate every motherfucker in the government? No. But do I hate a lot of the institutions and like the, the, the bloated behemoth of like the bloated bureaucratic behemoth it's become? Absolutely. And, and like, yeah, you know, when greed the and, thing about being, if you're an actual fucking patriot, that's what you should be thinking and that's what you should be saying and we should be fighting against those people that are fucking up our country but absolutely. it's crazy because you know that's actual patriotism so in my heart of hearts i love this country i've traveled in more than most people that i know i've seen every single state except for one and like i know this country back and forth i've seen it with my own eyes i've talked to people all the places and it's a fucking amazing place to live but shit is broken shit is rigged and it yep. needs to be fixed and we need to fight against it. And it's funny to me that that attitude is considered to be non-patriotic. And people are like, well, get the fuck out of our country. And I was like, no, no. that's not the solution. <laughs> it's leaving isn't the solution. It's fighting for it and actually creating change. And if you swallow everything you're fucking told and you don't try to change anything, you're part of the fucking problem. Exactly. You're not a fucking patriot. And that's what I say, <laughs> too, like to people. I'm like, you know, whether or not you're directly at fault because I know there's a lot stacked up against us. A lot of people are working two jobs. They don't have time to read everything. And then a lot of the media they're exposed to is like bought and paid for media that's 
you know, 90 something percent of media is owned by six corporations, you know, that yeah, they're all saying the same script, they're all saying the same script whether it depends on it's the left side script or the right side script. So there's yep. a lot of shit out there that keeps people distracted. But at the end of the day, the American people are at fault and getting their just desserts for not holding these motherfuckers accountable and not questioning yeah. shit and not not being like, fuck you, you can't do that. Like the governor of California right now has made like not wearing a mask illegal, a punishable offense by like jail term. And then they look and it's like he signed a billion dollar contract with these Chinese mask manufacturers. You think he got broke off something to do that and he's not doing this shit? You know what I mean? And he's not doing this shit to yeah. like to sell fucking masks like that dude should be fucking dragged through the streets and tied and feathered you know what I mean but like motherfuckers are just gonna re-elect them you know what I mean it's it's fucking crazy yeah and it's crazy to see you you got countries like you know Iceland and Sweden and you may not agree with their politics but th these people took to the streets they rose up they put people in prison they took people out of office how the fuck have we not done that shit exactly. and the fact that we haven't done that shit just goes to show you how far gone we are right now and that's the shit that actually does scare me. It does. Um, because and, and that's because the spirit of America is supposed to be that we are the people and we have the right to control our government and shut them down. But we're yeah. not exercising any of that shit. What gets lost is that the government is supposed to be our representatives, not our rulers. Like they should be yeah. accountable to us and what we want, not us yeah, fucking bending and us. licking the boots to, to their will. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it's all backwards, man. It is. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And it's that's it, why for me, like, you know, as much as shit, quote unquote, got out of hand with protesting and stuff. Anytime I saw it happening from day one, I was like, that's what we need to do. Protest. Yeah. Speak up, rise up. Like, that's what we need. We should have been doing that a long time ago. And the fact it's that we crazy. haven't been is just letting them get away with more and more because they're like, yeah. you give an inch, they take a mile. So it's like we've been given mad inches. They've been taking mad miles and they're just like, they're laughing yeah. at us. You know, they're like, oh, fuck it. They ain't going to do nothing. Let's fucking take it. Let's yeah. give ourselves a raise. Vote ourselves out of that. So fuck this. Ever since the Patriot uh, you know, Act was signed so, and they, yeah. kept to, yeah. they kept adding to it, they kept well, adding to it, they kept adding to it. And they all do that, dude. And it's like these bills should be like three pages. They end up being 200 pages because all this fucking crazy shit's embedded in it. Like, you know, and it's like both sides sides do that and it's like you know it's like shit that doesn't even have anything to do with the bill that's being passed just gets thrown in there and on page 275 no no one's read all that you know and it's like fucking crazy Yo, man and you're right too because the american people are so overworked from our living conditions that nobody's got time to do their research yeah nobody so your your average working class person they don't have time no, they're literally just like phoning it in with with politics because they're just fucking exhausted from busting their asses trying to make ends. They just they just <laughs> stoked to have like six hours off so they can eat a burger and watch and hang out with their kid. That's you know that's yeah. like you know and it's like but then at the same time everyone's watching the same media outlets and they're getting the same divisive stories. So you get the left and the right. No, we're all Americans, man. Put that first. Like what's good for you. What's good for your neighbor is what that's, what's good for the country. Don't worry about who proposed this and who did that and who's standing behind this. Like you just go on common sense. You know what I mean? Like, is it good for you? Is and it good for your neighbor? No, then fuck that. Don't, don't agree to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, that's the, you know, that's the, you just basically said the, in a nutshell, that's our problem in this country right now, period. And common sense, you know, the whole saying, common sense isn't so common. It sure is no. not. 
Yeah, because it's all like we're team oriented now. Like, oh, dude, I, I'm on the left. You know, like I'm team Democrat. I'm team this. Like, fuck the Republicans. Fuck the right wing. You know, and I'm team right wing. Fuck the Democrats. Like, blah, blah, blah. They can't win. We can't let them win. No, dude, that's your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like, what's good for everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, politics are, are much more important on a local level. I've learned that as I've gotten Absolutely. Be, that's where you get the I most out of it. Like, yeah, I used to always be like, anarchy, fuck voting, fuck that. And there's still a part of me that's like, you know, I, I get it. The voting process is fucked. And I've actually never really voted uh, until recently. I'm like, you know what? I should probably throw my name in, in the fucking hat just for, like, local stuff, like stuff in my community. Yeah. And that's the bigger picture I think people need to realize is it all starts with your community. It starts with your neighbors, like we're saying. And and the bigger picture will eventually happen, but people aren't doing that shit. How many people no. you know talk to their neighbors? Like, I don't, I don't see that shit. Like, Dude, I go to I go to town paper. meetings and shit. It's weird, you know what I mean? I'm like, how many people go to town meetings now, like or city, you know, meetings? Like, that's why so much shit can get through because people aren't participating. Don't you know? care. They don't care. That's it. You're it's, right. a, it's not even that they don't care. They don't realize the impact they can have in their local community. That's why, like, their voice, yeah. You know, I made a there was like a post I put up like a couple weeks ago that like raised all this like left right fear and it wasn't i was like it wasn't about that it was like the point that andover put in this this uh new amazon fucking warehouse and amazon got a 27 million dollar tax break why the fuck do they need a 27 million dollar tax break and you know what i mean it's like it's because you motherfuckers in andover didn't show up to your town meeting and guess what your representatives got broke off you didn't (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah imagine the amount of revenue that the tax dollars could have helped in your community yeah that's the thing too like tax money that's a lot of fucking money man. 27 million dollars for one town but they're like yeah. you know oh they'll bring jobs there guess what dude no one in andover is working at a- amazon you know what i mean like no nope. you know i'm nope. not i'm just being a realist about andover is a pretty affluent community like no one's gonna be working the ground floor of that warehouse maybe some of the kids and whatnot but you know what like you know like that's just fucking shady some some fucking local representatives got broke off, you know, and that's what happened. Yeah, like, he, he, he bought a new yacht or a new vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy, dude. And, and you know, so it, it is important to get kind of active in your more local community because that's where you can have the most change and that's where the most change will affect your life because I'm going to be honest with you, like, between fucking Trump and fucking Obama and fucking, you know, Bush and fucking this and that, like, outside of these crazy, like, spying laws and shit that they all kind of go with, like, not much has changed in my life through, like, presidential stuff. It's more the local stuff that has, like, a way it, bigger direct impact. Line. You're absolutely right. Yep. Absolutely right. I think at the, at the federal level, they're all answering to the Federal Reserve and all these fucking banks and fucking corporate lobbyists. There's not as much we can do there right now as we can locally, you know? It all starts with locally and then eventually can be affected on the bigger level. Absolutely. 100%. Fuck yeah, man. But dude, I, 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 is there anything else that we haven't hit on? I know we talked about a lot today, and I feel bad. I, kept I know it. we covered. I think we <laughs> covered the gamut. <laughs> we, we've <laughs> been all over the place from, from from trolls to fucking to, to from 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 northern European trolls to fucking Washington trolls. You know what I mean? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my head. Oh, I, dude, it's a constant, <laughs> constant conversation going on with myself in there about everything, and oh, I yeah. question all the shit that keeps me up at night sometimes. Oh, fuck yeah, That's dude. That's the reason too. why I even still drink, just to get me to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, dude that and uh, uh, like like some good CBD oil will, will help with that. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, my girl's always got that shit lying around. 
Yeah, yeah. I, dude, I, I mean, that's one thing that I'm glad we're finally getting smart with, like with like a lot of states, like hopefully federally, like marijuana won't be a schedule one drug anymore. So we can do more research with it and more companies medicine, can do man, stuff. It's, yeah, it's been for, medicine since the dawn of time. Our yeah. ancestors have been using that shit forever. It's proven. Yo, yeah. It's proven. Yeah. I agree too. And you don't have to, that, here's the thing too. Like I used to smoke to get fucked up all the time when I was a kid. And now that I'm older, like it's medicine. I rarely ever do it. But when I do, it's like, it's so good for your mind. And it sure. actually helps with creativity. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This shit should be legal. It's a fucking seed. It's a plant. Get the fuck out of my face with that shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, I don't even really smoke weed. And it's like, I'm 100% for it, dude. Like, I'd rather yeah, see a bunch of people so, fucking. It helps so many people. Yeah. <laughs> and like the oils you get from it, I mean, from autism to cancer. I mean, again, the list goes on and on and on. It's nice to see Massachusetts step it up and. Fuck yeah. And you can get that shit legally there. And at least it's decriminalized here, but you know, it just needs to be legal. It's such a waste of our tax dollars and, yeah. and the courts and everything. It's so stupid. Absolutely. And you can you can drink all the booze you want. No problem. Yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah. Out of here. I'd rather see a bunch of people driving around stone than fucking hammered. That's for fucking sure, man. Facts. And I like doing stone. I like drinking just as much as anybody else, obviously, but it's just you know, it's like I think you're a little more People are a little more together when they're stoned, you know? And, uh, no, 100%. Dude, some of the worst <laughs> problems in my life came from drinking. And I yeah. haven't stopped, but I've calmed the fuck calmed down. down. yeah. But yeah. Uh, I also recognize the fact that it ain't good for you. So yeah. no matter how you slice it. But, I, you know, I still like my poison. Still sure. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's not lost on me that, like... I am lucky in that I can be like a social drinker where like I don't drink at home like when I'm hanging out or when I'm working a lot. But like if I'm out yeah, on the weekend yeah. with friends, I can have some drinks and then I can not drink for three weeks and I don't give a shit. Like I That's know to do it. Yeah, I know I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's the people that can turn that off that are now hopefully sober. And, and I thank God for those people for still being alive because I got friends who couldn't turn it off and they're dead. Sure, they, yeah. They took them, they put them in their graves. That goes for any substances or you know, and, and being a creative type, I see addictions everywhere. And look, I get it. Everyone's got their thing. But at a certain point in your life, you got to make a conscious decision. You, you can either pull a Keith Richards and, and gamble it, but, or, <laughs> or you can calm the fuck down. And, you know, I actually got pretty healthy. Like, I'm a really healthy yeah. compared to how I used to be when I was younger. I used to do all kinds of shit. And I'm happier because of it. Like, sure. I'm happier, man. At wow. the end of the night, if I can have a little nightcap and stop, that's the life I'm living. I like it. It's, it's, yeah. it's some grown ass man shit. I like Absolutely. It. <laughs> some grown ass. You know, you, again, back to Kenny Rogers, you know when to hold them, when to fold them. You know? <laughs> that's it, man. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, word, man. Well, I appreciate the conversation, man. And, uh, and uh, definitely much, much respect uh, being part of the, the lineage uh, and, and the culture that helped raise me and definitely been influenced back in the day. With uh, with what you did with your bands and and still holding it down, still doing your thing, much respect. Brother. Yeah, you much too, respect. bro. You too, bro. Uh, thank you again for coming on and uh, and uh, give uh, give some plugs, man. Where can people find out more about you and uh, what you got going on musically? And, and yeah, I, I I'm off all social media except for Instagram, uh, Jesse underscore D underscore Leech, and on that page I post mostly band stuff and stuff professional shit you know what i mean so that's kind of where i where i i i hang out in that spot i really don't have any other contacts besides that but if uh you dm me i i tend to check them i read the subject line and i i kind of respond every once in a great while but uh i also have management strong management 
So if people are looking for me professionally, uh, Strong Management has an Instagram as well. You can hit them up, hit them up, and they will get the information to me. That's probably the best way to do it because uh, I'm not very good at managing my own life these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, and uh, did, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a if people look for the weapon or kill switch, they can find uh, the the official Instagram. Oh yeah, the weapons on Instagram. Of course, kill switches and my other project, Times of Grace, which is definitely a little different, uh, more of a rock sort of stoner rock uh, oh, yeah, mix of yeah. like art, artistic sort of post rock. I don't even know what the fuck to call it. And we have blues songs. There's a totally different style. Uh, so Times of Grace. And then I actually have an ambiance project you can find on Bandcamp called The Way Back Within, which is like Brian Eno type shit, like really meditative stuff. And to top it all off, I've been working on a uh, electronic industrial metal dubstep project called dead trees and that's also on instagram so yeah i've been keeping busy did that sure. come about after you watched prodigy <laughs> no it <laughs> actually came about after i know right i know but Prodigy's definitely an influence on in that shit now because i definitely listen to prodigy now because of that night for sure Fuck now yeah. that just came from just being in in, in like fucking uh, quarantine and, and needing a creative outlet sure, and having man. a girl who having a girl who's a performer she's like a circus performer she does like Pole dancing, silks, aerial. She's like crazy acrobatic. Oh yeah. So I wanted to write music that she could dance to, Fuck like yeah, do man. routines to. So that's kind of where that came about. So that's going to be like some sexy ass girl with me doing industrial stuff, and she's going to be performing. We actually have a video up on our Instagram, the dead trees, and it's her dancing on pole. So it's pretty fucking hot. Fuck yeah, man! And that's also a throwback to what stupid dance party at a uh, babyhead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, white trash night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Fuck oh, yeah. man. The shit I used to get into that night. Oh, my God. Uh, dude. That was fun. Dude, I, I, you know, Richmond Street, Providence, there's some absolutely fucking great times there, man. Some Just of the through. craziest shit I ever saw in my life popped off on Richmond Street after that night let out. This the shit I saw <laughs> <laughs> and was a part of sometimes. Oh, you absolutely. Know, a little doing a hood rat shit. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. My favorite thing though is still like lighting up pizza boxes and throwing them in the T tops of Camaros when they came by and fucked oh, up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mo uh, bombs. Fucking, oh oh fuck my yeah. god. Fuck yeah. Jacking man. people for their wallets. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever's clever, dude. It was wild oh times, dude. It was the Wild West, dude. The, I don't care what anyone says, like the 80s and early to mid 90s, like it was still Wild West out there, dude. And it was like you could get yeah, away with fun. so I much had a more. Good time. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I'm, I'm glad we made it out alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smarter and, and a little bit wiser and for with age and and uh and everything like that, man. But fuck yeah, dude. It was good having you on. Again, I wish we could do this face to face and and maybe one day we'll do another one. Uh it's just, you know, with all the travel and craziness, you know, it's fucking hard. Yeah, to do no doubt. Right now. But thank you for coming on, man. And uh uh, we will talk to you soon. And anything coming up soon? Like I know it's kind of hard, but you got anything? I know that you know you guys just released that B side record with Killswitch. You guys and the Weapon just recorded some stuff and put some stuff out. Anything else coming up? As of right now, everything I'm working on is just in the demo stages, so nothing to report. But uh, definitely keep your eye on me. I got a lot going on for sure, and and I'll also be plugging other projects that I'm involved with producing or whatever there's always something going on i'm, I'm not stopped so at this moment nothing but i'm sure something will pop up soon fuck yeah man well again thank you for coming on and i'm gonna shut this off right now 